Good morning, New York sports fans on this NFL Wild Card Weekend 2020. And what a wild weekend it was. I'm Danielle McCartan. McCartan after midnight. And I'll be talking all things New York sports with you. Well, from a New York angle until 6 a.m. on this early Sunday morning or late Saturday night. If you are still out and about and the city never sleeps or you're still reeling from that Patriots loss up there in Foxborough today. I'm coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio in lower Manhattan. And again, until 6 a.m., I have a manual behind the glass. He's already taking phone calls. He's doing a lot of work already. Ready, willing, and able to take your calls. You know the number, 877-337-6666. And let's load them up with your best Yankees, Mets, Giants, Jets, Knicks, Nets, Patriots, wildcard weekend thoughts, and of course, maybe your Don Larson memories as well. And I've got a very special guest for you tonight. Well, actually, two of them. One is gonna is, is a five-time Emmy Award winner, two-time New York Times bestselling author, couple of you guys did not. Nobody guessed it on Twitter. It's the Yes Network's Jack Curry. We'll talk, discuss the life and legacy of Don Larson, the potential impact of the Astros cheating scandal on Hall of Fame voting. By the way, Jack is a voter. Will Derek Jeter be the first or second, actually, unanimous Hall of Fame selection? And then we're going to shift gears to the current New York Yankees with the Domingo Herman suspension ramification. What is the biggest question mark surrounding the Yankees in their quest for 28? And a late addition to our lineup tonight will be Teresa Walker, who covers the Titans for the Associated Press. And as you know, and the highlights are on right now, the Titans went up to Foxborough and beat the Patriots. But the hottest story in New York sports at the moment, take your pick, is it, well, is it the Mets' U.N. Cespedes' mysterious ranch incident, which cost him millions of dollars? Was Actually, that was in an altercation with a wild boar. Certainly, the Mets aren't that boring. And while that certainly isn't all hogwash, I'm going to go with the Giants' vacancy at head coach as the number one story in our sports city right now, though. And just when you thought that song was off your radio airwaves for good, that's Drake's God's Plan. The Giants are seemingly invoking God's plan on their new head coach search. Here we are on what is now the 5th of January, and the Giants' casting call for head, the head coach position is still wide open. They are absolutely being thorough in this search, as they should be, and I'll tell you momentarily the candidates that we know of. Here's the timeline of interviews. Chris Richard, the day after we spoke last time, I was on, on January 1st, so the day after, it was January 2nd, they interviewed him. His most recent position was the Cowboys passing game coordinator and defensive backs coach. Then they had in Mike McCarthy on January 3rd, most recent position obviously being the Green Bay Packers head coach. They had then Eric Bieniemy on the fourth, most recent position, Kansas City Chiefs offensive coordinator, and those Chiefs play tomorrow against uh, – oh, no, they're not playing tomorrow. I'm sorry. They, they got the bye. I, I don't know why. I just thought that. Um, and then you got Don Wink Martindale, January 4th, most recent position was the Baltimore Ravens defensive coordinator, Matt Rule, the front runner of head coach of Baylor. He is expected to be um, Tuesday brought in to East Rutherford to talk with the New York Giants. And Matt Rule is, of course, the front runner. Earlier today, I posted on my most popular Twitter poll at Coach MCCARTAN to date. I, with all these candidates and some openings around the NFL, I asked, all things considered, which vacant or anticipated to be vacant head coach job is most appealing? Multiple choice, A, Giants, B, Cowboys, C, Panthers, or D, Browns. 
48% of the vote was the New York Giants. 36 of you guys said, 36% of you guys said the Dallas Cowboys. And then Panthers and Browns were almost equal at the bottom there. While I could see that the Giants would not be someone's number one choice, you've got Dave Gettleman and the perception that he is not easy to work with, which he did address at the presser. There's been lots of turnover the past decade for head coaches. And no offense, but the Giants have a very impatient fan base that is used to winning and hasn't seen much of it lately. But there would be plenty of upside for the job because, well, the Giants are a flagship franchise. But when compared to other flagship franchises, especially in the recent years, just maybe the stability hasn't been there. Pittsburgh has had three coaches since 1969. Obviously, Pittsburgh is another one of those flagship teams. They've had three coaches since 1969. The Giants are looking for their 13th coach in that same time frame. Maybe the second reason why things might be, maybe you could be the stabilizing force for the Giants as the next head coach. Second reason would be the pieces are in place. They've got their franchise quarterback there, and maybe even more importantly, their old franchise quarterback is out. Their franchise running back is there. They've got, what, ten, what was it, 10 rookie starters? They have a young team. I think I saw the average age was, was 25 and a half years. It was the average age for the Giants player, and that included Zach Diossi and Eli Manning, by the way. But Gettleman needs a defense. He needs to address that number one priority in addition to the offensive line in the draft this offseason. Then you look at the other teams, the Panthers. Well, the Panthers could be in quarterback purgatory. Is it Cam Newton that's going to be at the helm next year? Is it going to be Tom Brady at the helm next year? But if it is Cam Newton, what is he going to look like? Or will it be Kyle, Kyle Allen? Is Kyle Allen all that good? I mean, I know this season he was ranked 29th in quarterback rating. So if I'm the head coach, I'm staying as far away as the Carolina Panthers situation as possible, unless, of course, it involves Tom Brady. And I'm not going to tether myself to a, a mystery quarterback, unless, of course, it's Tom Brady. Now, the Browns, did you see that video of Freddie Kitchens and Baker Mayfield from the sideline that game? I don't know which game it was, but Kitchens walked over to the pouting, downtrodden Baker Mayfield, who was sitting on the bench, and he tried to cheer him up, tried to encourage him moving forward to the rest of the game. Both were mic'd up, and he, like, touched his face or something and walked away, and Mayfield says to the coach sitting next to him, the guy's an idiot. Yeah, none of that for me either if I'm going in there as the head coach. I don't want no part of that. And the Cowboys, is that job even open? So I, <clears throat> I know I have my hierarchy of who I like to see as head coach of the Giants, but I have to ask my biggest question. Why didn't the Giants give Mike McCarthy the Garrett Cole treatment. Someone asked me on Twitter if I could drive to the Giants facility and slash his tires so he couldn't leave. Obviously, I'm not going to do that. But the Giants allowing him walking out the door and to continue to interview was puzzling for me. McCarthy was meeting with the Cowboys next, which was either today or yesterday, Sunday, Saturday, this weekend for sure. But the, let me ask you, Giants fans, the promised land is the Super Bowl, right? You got to get through the playoffs to get there first. And there aren't many, if at all, players on, on this New York Giants roster with Giants playoff experience. And with Manning and Diossi presumably gone, Manning for sure, well, I can't say for sure, but Diossi maybe, there definitely are not any players on that team with Giants Super Bowl experience. So why would the Giants hire a head coach 
that hasn't even seen NFL coaching action with a title higher than assistant offensive line coach. That's front-running Matt Rule, I mean. We've been hearing it all day today with the wild card underway. Experience matters in the playoffs. Experience matters. And ultimately, for the Patriots and the Titans, it, it, it didn't. Because Tannehill walked in that into that game 0-6 versus the Patriots in his career. But Matt Rule is looking for a situation that, and this is his quote, he said, next to perfect. It would have to be one of those idyllic situations where you feel like, hey, I cannot just go here and win. I could win at a high level for a sustained amount of time. My question is, do the Giants have that? And if they do, is Matt Rule really the guy to lead them to the promised land? And while the Giants may or may not have had their one getaway over the past week, well, that's yet to be seen. But on January 4th, 2000, 20 years ago today, well, yesterday at this point, the Jets certainly let their one get away. Certainly, I'm talking about Bill Belichick. It was 20 years ago that Bill Belichick announced he would be resigning as a New York Jets head coach after a 24-hour stint. Maybe not even. And that was Katy Perry, the one that got away. And that New York football or New York football fans and beyond was history-altering. I mean, Bill Belichick filed a grievance and then a temporary restraining order to get away from the Jets. And a, a, a swap of some inconsequential draft picks. I looked. Bill Belichick became Pete Carroll's successor in New England. And at the time, Robert Kraft said, for a number one draft choice, we can bring in a man that I feel certain can do something rather than the uncertainty of a draft choice. And it wasn't even close when I thought about it that way. He was right. Two years later, the Patriots won the Super Bowl. And the Jets, on the other hand, are still searching for their first Super Bowl appearance in 51 years, since January 12, 1969. This head coach can't and won't bring them there. And now the New York Jets are watching the playoffs from their couches like the rest of us. Their head coach is surely no Bill Belichick. And their GM, Joe Douglas, his prowess and respectability is also about to be tested in his first offseason as Jets general manager. After coaxing Ryan Khalil out of retirement for an abysmal season, that landed him on the IR in November after seven games, he turned out to be a $6.7 million mistake. That I know, I'll be honest, I applauded it at the time. So now Douglas is faced with three potentially franchise-altering, overarching personnel decisions to make a key specialty, uh, key specialty positions, especially now with this news that the dynasty in New England may be over. Does Le'Veon Bell have a place in Adam Guru's offense? If yes, he needs to speak with his head coach, this is uh, the GM, who egregiously underutilized one of the premier backs in the league to selfishly back up his own philosophy that he never wanted the guy to begin with. And if Le'Veon Bell does not have a place in Adam Guru's offense, well, then Joe Douglas needs to find a suitor who will ante up to not only honor the big contract that he doled out, but they have to get something substantial in return for him. Can he? Then you got Robbie Anderson, who's set to hit the free agency market. He's expecting a deal in the 10 to $12 million range, reportedly. So should Joe Douglas and the Jets, with the 10th best cap situation, according to Sport Track, in the NFL, leading into next season, pony up for a Robbie Anderson deal?
The guy never made a Pro Bowl, despite having begged for it on the sidelines to a camera during a live game broadcast one time. And then there's Jamal Adams, who undoubtedly will seek to become the league's highest-paid safety in 2021's free agency. The two-time Pro Bowler, the only one in New York City this season, by the way, has just been named to the NFL's first team, All-Pro team. Sportrack sets his market value about $12 million per year. Ask yourself, Jets fans, who would you rather have, Anderson or Adams? For me, without hesitation, it's Jamal Adams. File this under, you can't make this up news. Yuenis Cespedes, who had this song, The Circle of Life from The Lion King, as his walk-up music, was seriously injured by a wild boar on his ranch in Florida. Yes, Pumbaa got the best of the Mets outfielder on that fateful day, and before you hear the entire story, you might let want to let out a long swine if you're a Mets fan. That's just the Mets' luck, right? The New York Post reported that while rehabbing from bone calcification surgery, Cespedes caused a wild boar in one of several traps he sets up around his ranch to keep the animals away from people. In this case, the boar was taken out of the trap and, according to the Post, quote, either charged towards Cespedes or startled him, end quote, causing him to step into a hole and fracture the ankle. I wonder if Cespedes let out a squeal. Or maybe it was a grunt. Ultimately, it broke his piggy bank, too, to the tune of millions of dollars. Money, at the time, that Cespedes may have taken for grunted. At the time, Mets general manager Brody Van Wagenen said that Cespedes suffered multiple right angle fractures in what he called a violent fall from the outfielder's ranch that was not baseball related. This is all real deal news, Mets, Mets fans. Mets officials, MLB officials, and the players union all confirmed they went to the ranch and saw it. And I can't even tell you that Niels Bohr could tell you that the root of Cespedes' ankle fractures was the gravitational pull and eventual crash of the fall. Are you having a guilt trip, Mets fans? Total pig puns, by the way. Eight. Use Radio.com's app to rewind to count them. And of course, it's Wild Card Weekend. All calls are on the table. Can't wait to talk with you guys. 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan after midnight on The Fan, and he is Marco Belletti on the Newsflash. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. And good morning. Back with you guys. I am Daniel McCartan here on The Fan. McCartan after midnight, 877-337-6666. I am about to hit enter or whatever. Click one of the phone calls here. But I wanted to just finish up with it's wild card weekend, guys. Okay, it is the most fun weekend in all of football as the highlights are playing right now on the TV. The upsets, the excitement, and what a wild game in Buffalo, of the Buffalo Bills in Texas. What a wild game that Bills-Texans game was. It did not disappoint. After being up 16-0, the Bills coughed it up, lost 22-19. You know, I really thought the Bills had this one. I tweeted it today that I thought the Bills were going to win and the Titans were going to win. And Houston's Fairbairn, what was his name, Fairbairn, Fairbairn, Byron? He kicked the Texans into the next round with 3.23 left in the first overtime quarter. And right before that, Deshaun Watson did his best Eli Manning impression to get out of that sack. 
and making completion to set up the game-winning field goal. Now, in the second game of the night, you saw, well, maybe I should have played Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead here, because is it possible that the Patriots' dynasty is, in fact, over? It, it could be. If you're a Jets fan, I know, I know that you're hopeful that it might be. I, I mean, I think maybe the entire country, except for anybody in New England, is now a Titans fan. And my next question is, TB12, where's he going to be in 2020? Will Tom Brady be back on the Patriots? You know, on the way in, I I was listening to um, WEEI, our sister station up there uh, on the radio.com app up there in Boston. They seem to think, I mean, the callers are irate, by the way. The callers calling in are irate, and they are saying some crazy things that, for example, Bill Belichick doesn't know how to assemble a team. Uh, well, when you have the Patriots, where their average draft position over the past couple of years has been 29th, they've done pretty good, I would say. So, I mean, the pa- fans of the Patriots are absolutely losing their minds right now. But I seem to think, and they seem to think, that Tom Brady will be back with the Patriots in 2020. So don't rejoice just yet, because Tom Brady, that pick six to end the game is going to be, that is the thing that's going to flash through his mind every single night that he closes his eyes before he goes to sleep. And um, he will be back with a vengeance, I believe, wearing the blue, silver, and red of the Patriots next season. But there are some other destinations that might be attractive. Maybe it could be the Chargers. Maybe it could be the Panthers. I No, no one knows. Tom Brady was asked about it, did not want to address it. And then maybe no one knows the, the Bill Belichick's contract situation. Uh, he left the Jets... 20 years ago today, or yesterday at this point, is he back on a plane to the Meadowlands, to Newark via the Meadowlands, or Meadowlands via Newark? Is that is that where Bill Belichick might end up? There's a lot of questions here, and I think as a Giants fan, I think you'd be more than welcome to welcome him to your team. So let's hit the phones. Tyler in Connecticut, you were first tonight. What do you got for me? Hey, Danielle, how are you doing? Okay, how are you? Not so bad. I called a uh, week or two ago talking to Garrett Cole. Yep. Um, but just, I was curious, you know, you've been talking this Patriots dynasty, all that stuff. Well, really not too much. You've only been on for a minute. But how do you think that that actually compares to what the Braves dynasty was, you know, at this point, 10 years ago? I think, well, when you, just the sports, when you compare football and baseball, I think, more impressive is football because it's just the eliminate. It's just a single game elimination. I would kind of disagree there. Like, think about it. It's six months of them winning divisions as opposed to beating up on the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Bills. Like, none of them have won a division. The Bills haven't won a playoff game in twenty five years, twenty years, whatever the number is. Yeah, what is more impressive at the end of the day? Yeah, but I, I mean, what I'm saying it to me, it's still the football. I mean, they've won the Super Bowl in uh, one, two, three, four, I mean, a, a, a million times over the past. Well, it's, yeah, decade, it's been, but, they've been to the Super Bowl the past three years. But what I'm saying is, it, it's more impressive to me winning in a single game elimination than a series. You know what I'm saying? Uh, out of curiosity, why? Because in a series, if you lose a game, you're not out. But that's the best part of it all is. The best team might lose a game. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're the 
worst team, you know? I'm saying that I think that the Patriots were the better team tonight on paper, and they lost, and they don't have another chance to redeem themselves because it's single elimination. That, to me, is more exciting and more impressive. Okay, I can't disagree with that in all honesty. It's a good way to put it, but did in all honesty, I thought the Titans would win this game tonight. It felt like the script on paper is if they slow the game down, easy way to beat the Patriots. Yeah, you know, Tom I, Brady isn't Tom Brady anymore. I was the last time I was on here. I said this was going to be the, the the one game that scared me. If I was a Patriots fan, if I was, you know, this was the one game that I thought that the underdog was going to win for sure. I said it. Yeah, I didn't hear it, but I totally agree with you. Like the Titans were. They would have been the underdog on paper, but their game script, what they could do, the the Pats couldn't deal with it this this year. Yeah. Yep. Tyler, thanks thanks for the call, Tyler. And and, and the other thing coming into this game is is Ryan Tannehill. By the way, Ryan Tannehill, who Adam Gase casted off in Miami. Adam Guru casted off in Miami. Look what he's been doing. And I know it wasn't a great game tonight. But he, he posted the highest quarterback rating of all starting quarterbacks in the regular season. And you know what? He won his first playoff game. He's one for one in the playoffs, Ryan Tannehill. And coming into that game, 0-6 versus the Patriots, he got it done tonight, didn't he? Sort of unconventionally and on the shoulders of Derrick Henry. But a win's a win. Kevin and Kendon, you're on the fan. Well, Coach, we picked the Titans and we were right. I told you. I knew it. I said I had a feeling though tonight. But anyway, the turning point for me for that game was when uh, I think it was when the uh, first and goal at the one. Yes. And the, and the defense made the stop. I was like, okay, I see the momentum shifting. Yep. Because right, right after that, the uh, Titans scored the touchdown. I was like, okay, it's right before halftime. They got a lead, and the Patriots' offense just looked out of sync. The whole the whole second, they didn't even score the second half. Yep. Think about it. They didn't even score, and then. The brilliant um, strategy by, uh, what's his name, the coach for the Titans? Vrabel. Vrabel, yeah. He did that play, I think, at the end with the, what was it, the, um, not the pass, uh, can't think of it now, but he he ran down the clock and he, like, drained, like, a minute and a half off the clock. I'm like, that's brilliant because it, it left Brady less time to complete the, you know, completely come back. And I was like, that's brilliant. And then toward the very end with the pick six, I was like, you know what? That was brilliantly called by variable that play. Yeah. I forget what it, that, what it exactly was. Yeah, it was gutsy cool. call. The guy, the guy jumped the route, and that was it. That was the end of it. I loved it. I was celebrating. But <laughs> <laughs> I totally did. I'm ready for tomorrow, too. But, you know, tonight was a was glorious for me, though. I mean, wild card weekend. Kevin, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. As always, the... Uh, Wild card weekend, I got to tell you, it might be the most exciting weekend in all of football. I mean, obviously the Super Bowl and everything that comes with the Super Bowl, but wild card weekend, my God, you've got the Bills almost upset the the Texans in their own stadium, their own dome. I, I really thought the Bills had it. I don't know how. They 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 relinquished that what was it a sixteen nothing lead they had I don't know how that happened, but then again here it is experience experience and their quarterback Josh Allen just did not have the experience he he took in the final closing minutes of the game 
It was two plays for a loss, sacks of, of a loss of 36 total yards. You just can't do that. That's the inexperience showing through. So if you are a Giants fan and you're hoping for the Giants to get to the promised land, as I said, well, then Matt Rule with really no experience, is he the right guy to lead you there? Because you've heard the stories about all the Patriots players and Devin McCourty talked to me about it. You know, Tom, uh, what's it called? That one year where the, uh, the, the halftime show went longer than normal, whatever, you know, Bill Belichick has it down to a science. Once he gets to the Super Bowl, Bill Belichick, Devin McCourty said it's it's a science. He knows exactly it's regimented. There's no question marks. This, this, this. It's just another game. But then you get a coach that gets to the Super Bowl that has never been there before. You, it's easy. It's easy to get caught up in that. So my concern for the Giants is that they're going to get a guy in there that hasn't been there, hasn't done it, and is managing one of the, the youngest teams in the entire league. That's my issue, and that's why Mike McCarthy is still my number one for the Giants, as he was for my Jets in uh, last year. And I told you guys here, I, I said to you, I said, the one game that scares me, this wild card weekend, I think the Titans are going to go into Foxborough and beat the Patriots. Go back and listen. I told you this was going to happen tonight. I, I knew it. I knew it. I should play the lottery, man. Give me six numbers. CJ in Mount Holly, you're on the fan. Danielle, how you doing? Good, how are you? What a tremendous day of football. You right? really have to love the excitement. Yes. All the games matter. It was just absolutely ravishing today. But looking at the Patriots and Brady, he definitely should retire. Remember, he's 42 years old. At 42 years old, as a quarterback, you're not supposed to do anything I know he hasn't taken as many hits over the last few years. This year he took more hits. But how can you expect a declining quarterback like him with no mobility? I think you have to. And the Patriot way is you always have to cut guys sooner rather than later. And I don't think Brady should be any exception. In my opinion, he might have been given one a year they didn't really have. You know what? The guy, I think, is finished. I disagree. He said in the post game pretty much tonight that, that he is not finished. What do you think, though? He's 42 years old. He has no arm strength left. He can't move, and he has no weapons around him. I can't see him getting any better with the Patriots. Maybe there's another situation out there where he can go. Maybe Carolina could be a better fit. But I'm telling you, Brady is done. Well, I think the the biggest thing with Tom Brady that he missed this year was Rob Gronkowski. Has to be. Yes, that's definitely part of it. He was obviously their great target. But getting to the other game, you know what? I knew this was going to happen, that Josh Allen, push come to shove, would not be able to make the big play. Yeah. Yes, he's put some tremendous athletic plays, uh, but he lacks the consistency. I'm going to keep on saying this, and this might be an ongoing debate between you and I. Mm-hmm. I really don't think he's going to be that good. Josh Allen, I, you know, he's been just wildly inconsistent, you know, and that's the thing. It's inconsistency, and it came out in the inexperience in this playoff game today. And, CJ, thanks for the call. It showed. The inexperience showed. And maybe it was partly his fault, and maybe it was partly the fault of his head coach that, that couldn't prepare him adequately, having not been there before, right? I don't, I don't think he's been to the playoffs before. And I have friends that are, uh, that are Bills fans, and uh, I, I texted 
her, one of them, and I said, are you dying right now? This game is crazy. She wrote, ugh. And I also got it on record again saying that I hate overtime rules. Both teams should get a chance to score. Both teams should. And then when they actually lost, she wrote, LOL, I hate them. I hate I hate them, meaning the Bills. She said, LOL, I hate them. Ugh. <laughs> and that's coming from a Bills fan. Blair in Maine, you're on the fan. Yeah, I'm not too too happy now because now I'm going to be told on Monday morning or Monday afternoon, actually, on um, the Big Jab, which is a station in Portland, Maine, um, that the guy's going to go, well, the ship is sinking. Uh, the ship sunk, that's for sure. Tom Brady and the, the, his uh, interception was what happened is the ship sunk right there. The, uh, the ship totally went, and it sunk right into the, the uh, bottom of the sea. And um, I hope next year... He realizes what he can't do is throw an interception to end the season right there in the playoffs because one game does matter, and that's elimination when you throw an interception like that. And I'm glad I didn't see it. Glad I was asleep at the time because I would have not been happy. Yeah, well, Blair, my, my advice to you is to stay off Twitter and to st- stay away from, from – uh... I have Twitter. I'm going to go on it on – Tuesday yeah. and see what, what what's going on with Twitter, see all the angry people. And uh, by the way, I'm going to cheer for the Jets when the Patriots aren't playing the Jets because I want to see how, how the Jets are going to actually do now that they know that the Patriots could lose some more players because they might not be too happy now that they lost a chance uh, to go far in the postseason. Yeah, and this is another season that that's happened. It hasn't happened like more than once. It's happened like this before, so it's not like it's not happened before, right? Right. Well, it, Blair, I, I I appreciate the call. He's obviously a very impassioned Patriots fan. That it will be staying away from Twitter for the next a uh, couple of days for sure. And you know, I'm watching Tom Brady and, and the highlights right now. Tom Brady, AFC champions. Holding the Super Bowl trophy six times. I'm watching it right now as we speak. I'm narrating what I'm watching. And, you know, the draw for a lot of those players, and he makes a good point, Blair. The uh, Here, Tom Brady alone on top. All-time ranking, wins first, passing touchdowns first, pass yards first, Super Bowl wins first. Alone on top is what the headline is. And, you know, Blair made a good point that maybe more players might be jumping ship. Even if Tom Brady stays. I mean, Tom Brady was the draw. Tom Brady was the draw for guys like Mohamed Sanu, right? Rutgers product, Mohamed Sanu. Why did he sign with the Patriots? Because when you sign with the Patriots, you have um, the opportunity to go far in the playoffs and to work with one of the best quarterbacks to ever throw the ball. And I don't know if you guys saw on Twitter, Antonio Brown tweeted something along the lines of, he's only coming back to the NFL to play with with Tom Brady or something like that from tonight. So he was watching the game, obviously. But that pick six... They, there is no way that Tom Brady is going to end his career on a pick six to end the Patriots season. It's just not going to happen. He told you tonight that it wasn't going to happen. Okay? So, moving forward, you'd have to think either he's going to take another team-friendly deal to stay with the Patriots, right? And look, he, Antonio Brown is also tweeting... Call me. He's 
quote-tweeting Patriots press conferences, and he's writing, call me. Oh, my God. God's, God's plan. He used my song from before. And the actual tweet was, 2020, only want to play with Tom Brady or no play. That's what he said two hours ago. So, Tom Brady's a draw. We'll see where he ends up next year. I think he's going to be a Patriot. Um, but we'll see. And I'll take your calls on that, too. 877-337-6666. Here's Marco Belletti on the update. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The Fan. And Sports Radio 66. WFAN New York. Good morning, everybody. Back with you. I am Danielle McCartan here on McCartan After Midnight on WFAN Radio. It is 244 in the morning. And as you heard, um, the Patriots have lost. And is it ding dong, the witch is dead? Some of you guys like that on Twitter. Um, is it time for someone else to take over in the AFC East? I know Jets fans are hoping so. The other question is, we got two major questions. Will Tom Brady be back with the Patriots next year? And no one knows the details of Bill Belichick's contract situation. Will he be back with the Patriots next year? Is this the dawning of the end of time? I know I'm being a little bit dramatic here, but it's been a long time since there's been any hope of a team succeeding in the AFC East. It's been a really long time. So I'm looking at Tom Brady because Tom Brady, for if Bill Belichick, if he decides he's going to coach elsewhere, good for him. But we don't know what his contract situation is. We do know what Tom Brady's contract situation is. And Tom Brady's contract situation as of right now is that next year he is going to be an unrestricted free agent. So I'm looking at this with you know, a little bit of an intelligent lens here. And I'm thinking like, okay, which teams have the most salary cap space next year? Because Tom Brady obviously is one of the most, the premier players, obviously. My next question is, which of those teams then need a quarterback? Narrows a few of them down. And then it narrows them down even a little bit farther to say which teams are actually playoff ready as of right now. And the list is really, really thin. The team with the most cap space next year is the Indianapolis Colts. Do they need a quarterback? Well, maybe. They don't know if Brissett's going to be the guy. But are they playoff ready? That's where I stop right there because at 7-9, and nine, to me, they're not playoff ready. Miami Dolphins have the next best cap space situation. Do they need a quarterback? Yeah. Are they playoff ready? No. They're 5-11 and 11 this year they finished. Next, third uh, cap space situation, best, Tampa Bay Bucks. Well, that's intriguing. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers could be intriguing. Do they need a quarterback? Well, this would be a very nice, e- easy split, we'll say, from Jameis Winston. If you say, hey, Jameis, you know, we got Tom Brady coming in here. Sorry, buddy. You know, that might be interesting. But again, the Buccaneers finished at 7-9. and nine. But how many of those losses were attributed directly to James Winston? We don't, we, we don't know. We could probably look. I could probably get TJ Reeves in here and he could tell you. But what I'm trying to say is how many teams are even eligible for the Tom Brady sweepstakes? I mean, New England's sitting at the 19th best, we'll say. Cap space situation. I don't. I'm not so convinced. He he returns. 
but they can get creative in their deals. I'm not playing GM here, but they can get creative in their deals and, and maybe they can get him back. But at what cost? Who's going to have to get cut or get traded in order to keep him? Because we already know that the downfall was his declining play and the lack of weapons around him tonight. And tonight, the Tennessee Titans went in, slayed the dragon, New England Patriots. Let's hit the calls. 877-337-6666. Tim in East Haven, Connecticut. You are on the fan. Danielle, happy new year. You too. <laughs> to you and your family. Thanks, you um, Wanted to get into the Gettleman presser. Yes. And uh, shout out to Kevin. I can't sing Dave Must Go because obviously he's got <laughs> management support. He's coming back. Yes. So going forward with Dave Gettleman's presser, um, the media has got to be so frustrated with the way this guy communicates. They hammer him about Leonard Williams, and he comes out with the, what, the, the, the juice, juice is worth, is worth the, the squeeze. squeeze. Yeah. I mean, come on. Couldn't you at least give me something like, hey, guys, we're getting gashed by the Cardinals. Chase Edmonds ran for 129 and three touchdowns right up the middle against us. Mm-hmm. Couldn't he give you that? Wouldn't he give you something better than the juice is worth the squeeze? I mean, the <laughs> way he communicates with the media is, is, is his own fault. You know, yeah, and, and I, I think that's the, well, I think that's one of the reasons why they keep him hidden. I mean, that's why. <laughs> that's know? why we don't hear from him, yeah, right? Right. And by we, the way, we, he he put up 126 rushing yards versus the Giants that game. The the game that he has put up, you know, the second best game he had, 68 yards at the Bengals. By the way, exactly, exactly. So I mean, he he could have come across and said, "Hey, I, I tried to fix a need yeah. right away." Yeah. You know, and, and everyone had a little more respect for him. I think. <laughs> Yeah, maybe because he does talk down to people. Uh, so, and then going that wasn't a question that you knew you were going to get asked that question at this press conference. I think right, I agree right. with you. Oh. You could have had a, 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 I don't know, a more adult response to that. Yeah, something, something a little more professional. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. And um, going to Mara Presser when he says or asks the question about going into you know uh, next year's coach. Um, would he have more say in player personnel? That tells me Gettleman's on blast here. Yep, he has to be correct in his coaching decision here. Yep, this is a, this is his swing and miss. If he misses on this, he's out. And I will be singing. Dave must go, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for taking my yeah, call, Tim, Danielle. Thanks. Tim, I appreciate it. Yeah, and, and Dave Gettleman, if you notice, and that was very astute listening there, Tim. Yeah, Dave Gettleman is on notice. Dave Gettleman is on the hot seat. For sure. And I said it every every week. Dave Gettleman is a good drafter. He drafts well, especially in the late rounds. But his free agency signings, uh, head-scratching. His trades, head-scratching. So maybe you bring in a guy, guys, like Mike McCarthy who also will have a say on the roster, on the lineup, (laughs) and and they can work symbiotically. They can work together. Because did you hear that Dave Gettleman said that Pat Shermer was the one who pressed for Daniel Jones? Pat Shermer was the one who was enamored by Daniel Jones. And yet Pat Shermer, and this is me saying this, Pat Shermer doesn't get any credit for that. Dave Gettleman is assigned the credit, and that kind of bugs me. Bruce in Flushing, you're on the fan. Hey, Daniel. Happy New Year. You too. 
I want to talk about the giant coaching um, um, search. Yeah. I want to talk about a wild card, and then we'll talk about McCarthy. Okay. Let's talk about the wild card. Is it Bill Belichick? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Here's a guy who has told friends he would love to coach the Giants again, and this probably is his last opportunity. Now, supposedly his contract may be up after this year, and let's take worst-case scenario. Let's take there's a year left. He probably can get him for a couple of draft picks. Brady may be gone, and Merrill always loved Belichick, and Merrill would have no problem, and Titch wouldn't have no problem to, to ask Gettleman to bring Belichick in. I think there's a shot. Um, well, my mom also said that there is a shot, so I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, maybe, but we just don't know what, you know, how long Bill Belichick is under contract for and what the buyout would be. I mean, I would assume it's, if Matt Rule's buyout is $10 million, which is what it's reported, he'd have to think Bill Belichick's is way more than that. But, well, oh, there are some people who say his contract is totally up this year, yeah. so we just don't know. We don't know. Nobody knows. And I've heard it, it's been described as Fort Knox, that bit of information. So right. we're so just going to have to wait and see. Because it, it, it kind of struck me kind of funny how the Giants have been interviewing so many candidates. And a lot of these candidates don't seem to be legitimate shots of being at the head coach. Maybe the Giants are just stalling for time. I mean, that could be the conspiracy theorists in all of us, huh? And you had yeah. something on uh, what uh, Mike McCarthy you said? Yeah, I don't want Mike McCarthy at all. Why? Okay, if you followed his career, he has always been bad with the press. And that was in Green Bay. Wait, well, can I stop you right there? Have you Did you see Bill Belichick's or hear Bill Belichick's from tonight? Did you hear that? That was terrible. You, I don't, Bill Belichick has always been like that. Okay, so Mike McCarthy's always been like that. So who cares? But, but the thing is, Belichick backs it up with winning. And Mike McCarthy, McCarthy, yeah, he won a series. He he won the most games in Green Bay, not named Vince Lombardi, by the way. I understand, but also I was reading an article where his um, West Coast offense mm-hmm. de-emphasizes the running back. Now after drafting Shaquan Barkley, you can't have a coach who's going to de-emphasize the running back. I just, I just, my vibe is it, he wouldn't be a fit in New York. Belichick, and Belichick, even though he can be gruff at times, has more give and take with the Riders. And, and, and Belichick, you know, started in New York and probably knows a lot of the New York Riders. And, you know, again, won't be, he'd be gruff, but, you know, that's Belichick and people. More people will accept Belichick being Belichick than Mike McCarthy being Mike McCarthy. Mm, Bruce, I disagree because if you win, you win. I mean, that's it. You, you, it doesn't matter how you how do you handle the media, if you if you're a winner. I, I hear you. I hear you. But um, it'll be interesting. The next, I figure if Belichick is going to come, we'll probably know in forty eight to seventy two hours. Oh man! I, I actually I hope it's seven days from now so we can talk about it here. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. Have a good night. Bye, Bruce. Thank you. Uh, and and that's a great point, Bruce. You made a great point. The great point was that McCarthy in his style of offense de-emphasizes, that was your word, which is a great word, de-emphasizes the running back. It does. The West Coast offense de-emphasizes the running back. And if you have Saquon Barkley as your running back, that's a little scary. I get it. Great point. But also, 
Mike McCarthy has totally, totally, I don't want to say scrapped the idea of that, but he has re, totally reinvented his, his play calling, his playbook this offseason. He studied trends. He's worked with other coaches. He's redesigned his playbook. And I'll guess, I'll venture to guess that he even um, did some soul searching and, and changed up his coaching philosophy. That would be my guess. Because, you know, you were criticized. You were criticized and criticized when you left Green Bay. Okay? But then, you know, everybody say, oh, well, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you know, whatever. He, my brother, he's a Packers fan. Well, you know, he only won one Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers. He should have won more. Okay, but is Aaron Rodgers the best quarterback, to, one of them, to ever pick up the football? I think, I think you're nodding your head right now because the answer is yes. And, and guess what? Who helped develop him? Mike McCarthy helped develop him. Mike McCarthy handled the switch from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers and then developed Aaron Rodgers. Of course there's innate talent, inborn talent on the part of Aaron Rodgers. I'm not, I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is Mike McCarthy put Aaron Rodgers, in the, in, in, especially in the beginning, the best situations in order to get the job done. And the rest of the guys that the Giants are, are, are interviewing are vastly, I don't want to use the word underqualified, but I'm just saying that they, are, they don't have enough, uh, as much experience as Mike McCarthy, who and is, he's at 125 and 77 with two ties in his, in his career, 13 seasons with the Packers. And everybody's talking about him like he's, like he, like he's a dinosaur. Mike McCarthy is not a dinosaur. Mike McCarthy is only 56 years old. Think about that. Pat Shermer, he's not a dinosaur, is he? Pat Shermer was 54. So you got McCarthy at 56 years old coming in with 13 seasons of experience, nine playoff runs, including the NFC Championship game, well, not one, not two, but three times, and he won the Super Bowl. By the way, he was also the former quarterbacks coach with the Packers and with the Chiefs. He's checking all the boxes for me, guys. I don't know, especially with the the reinventing of the playbook. McCarthy's still my guy. But if Bill Belichick comes in, Bill Belichick's got to be the guy for the Giants. No doubt. More of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. Danielle McCartan here, back with you guys on McCartan After Midnight here on WFAN Radio from Lower Manhattan in New York, New York. It is Wild Card Weekend. It is an exciting weekend. We had, what did we have today? The Buffalo Bills at Houston Texans. I thought the Bills were going to pull it out. We had the Tennessee Titans at the New England Patriots. That was a game for the ages. What a goal line stand by the Titans. Sent the Patriots reeling into the locker room at halftime and really never really recovered. And then there was a 
there was a call in the Buffalo Bills game that I wanted to go over. But real quickly, tomorrow we have the Minnesota Vikings at the New Orleans Saints, 1.05 p.m. on Sunday. Uh, I'm going uh, I'm going Saints in this game. And then you have at the 4.40 game later today, you got the Seahawks at the Eagles. I mean, it would be a miracle on turf if the Philadelphia Eagles pull this one off with all the injuries that they have had. So I'm going Seattle Seahawks in that game as well. So tomorrow I got the Saints and the Seahawks. I believe those are both favorites. Uh, Today I went two underdogs. Tomorrow I'm going, I believe, both favorites. And um, there was not without controversy in that Bills game. And I went to the NFL rulebook on that last commercial break. And what happened was, um, I don't know what quarter it was, but, but the Houston Texan kickoff receiver in the end zone put his hands out, he raised his left arm laterally and his right arm laterally, and he caught the ball, tossed it to the referee, who did not catch it, let it hit the ground, and then the Buffalo Bills were all over it like white on rice, and then scored what they thought was a touchdown. The ruling ended up being... That it was uh, that that signal of flapping your arms almost or just just one raise you know like a bird like flapping your arms up just once that was determined to be a legal fair catch symbol and now I always say that referees should be seen and not heard okay so I went to the rule book it says when a runner declares himself down by falling to the ground or kneeling and clearly making no immediate effort to advance. Sliding. Um, That's the second thing. And then the other thing is the fair catch. So the fair catch rule, trying to scroll down and see it, um, basically they said that he called a fair catch. But a fair catch is, is designed, a valid fair catch signal. This is directly from the NFL operations handbook. A fair catch signal is valid if it is made while the kick is in flight, which it, this tonight it was, by a player who fully extends one arm above his helmet and waves it from side to side. The receiver is permitted to legally raise his hands to his helmet to shield his eyes from the sun, which was not a factor, but is not permitted to raise them above his helmet except a single for a fair catch. So if the rule says he has to extend one arm above his helmet, wave it from side to side, then that was an invalid fair catch signal that the Texans' uh, kick receiver made today. Or should we say last night? It was invalid. So if there is an invalid fair catch signal, I'm reading here, the ball is dead when caught or recovered by any player on the receiving team, but it is not a fair catch. So we're seeing that either way, that ball was 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 down. There was no way that was going to be a touchdown for the Bills. And maybe the giveaway was maybe the referee didn't know that off off the top of his head because he didn't catch the ball. Imagine if, if he caught the ball and everybody thought it was a live ball still and the referee would have got tackled in the end zone. No. Either way, whether it was a, fa- a valid or an invalid fair catch signal, the ball was dead. So... Um, that I think is an, as a non-argument, I think 
it's very confusing here at 3.10 in the morning, but then it's because it says the ball is not dead if it touches an opponent before or after it strikes the ground. Well, the ball did not strike the ground. So valid or invalid, that was not a Bills touchdown. But tomorrow we have some great games as well. So we will take a look at those um, momentarily. Let's go to Jersey City. Ted, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Thanks for taking my show. Of course. What's up? All right. So you, you gave me your answers because you're licking yourself right now that you were picked the Titans and the Titans won and <laughs> and I'm happy the Titans won. But you're like, oh, I picked them. And then I waited for 30 minutes, but you gave me your picks. You're picking Saints and yeah. you're picking Seattle for tomorrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's, get back, so let's get back to something else. So you're talking about coaching and where Brady's going to go. How about something really wild? What would happen if, if Belichick and Brady as a package – went down to Dallas because that would be a good fit. Well, I didn't think of that. Can you and imagine? And that would be America's dream team. Can you imagine if that happens? Let Dak go because I don't think they want to pay Dak. And you get in there with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. You think that would be a, uh, I want to say conflict of interest, but with Jerry Jones's style, you, you think that would they would mesh with that? Jerry Jones just wants to win, and he'd pay him any amount of money to win. But the other thing was, there was talk about Brady going to the Chargers. I think, you know, and they said Rivers would go to the Colts. But, like, the Chargers have a really good team. It's just, I think Rivers just didn't play to his expectations right, this year. Right, right. Well, I'm still so thinking that, about what you said about the Cowboys, though. They have a great offensive line. They have a great running back. And they have wide receivers. And Brady could just stand in a pocket and throw balls all day long. Oh, man. At 43 years old. Ted, I think you might be on to something. You know can, you, what? can you imagine if that's, that's why they're leading Jason Garrett on? Can you imagine? I, I think I got I to gotta call Jerry Jones up because that's his play. Because I don't know what other coach, you know, even McCarthy and everything. Like, I don't know, it's old school. I think he would listen to Belichick. I really do. Because he had Parcells there. Yeah. And, you know, like, it's, right. I think there's some mesh there. But anyway, that's off the box, and that's, that would be a dream come true if Dallas were to get that. I think they could really make some noise next year. As a Cowboys fan, you are? No, I'm actually a Charger fan, but that's okay. <laughs> and look at this. The Cowboys have, what, one, two, three, five, the fifth best cap situation moving forward as well for next year. Oh, my God. Ted, I think you're onto something. There you go. So maybe we'll call you in a couple of weeks, and you'll be like, hey, you were right. Yeah. Well, I hope you are. Well, actually, for Giants fans, I hope you're not, but I hope that you are. I hope you're right, because that's, that's a really good theory that I had not considered. So good for you. All right. Thanks, Danielle. Have a good night. Wow. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine if that's the reason why the Cowboys have been leading Jason Garrett on with breadcrumbs for the entire week? Can you imagine that they were just waiting for the Patriots to get eliminated from the, from the playoffs? And then, and then maybe they thought that that the Patriots were going to win today, so that's why they were rumored to bring in guys like McCarthy, Brady, and Belichick in Dallas. Whew. I don't know. Ahmed in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Hey, how you doing? First I'm good. Time caller. Of course. Uh, What's up? Actually, that that was a very good, interesting point I just heard. I wanted to talk about that real quick before yeah. I get to where I want to talk about. Yeah, good. Um. The only thing with that is I don't see them getting rid of Dak Prescott just because 
he's a lot younger. I mean, you, you're going to get Brady for what, one, two, maybe three more years at max? I mean, that could work, but you're going to really let Dak Prescott go? I mean, you have a quarterback who's probably going to be your franchise quarterback for, you know, plenty of years to come. So I don't know if they'll do that. What do you think? I, I don't see – honestly, I, I don't think they want to pay Dak Prescott. That's the thing. Whether he, you know, whether he's franchise material, I mean, they're picking 17th in the draft, so the you know, likelihood that they're going to draft a quarterback is is no good. But then again, I think like like Jerry Jones is getting older. I mean, he wants to see a Super Bowl win for the Cowboys, and he'll do anything to do it. And I think Brady and Belichick would be would be a good smart move to to get there because I don't think Dak's taking him there. Yeah, that, that would be a really good team if that happened. But um, I just wanted to talk about tonight's game. I'm a big-time Jets fan, so, I mean, it felt like I was watching, you know, the Jets win a Super Bowl, just seeing the Patriots <laughs> lose. I felt really good, man. I'm, you know, you can already imagine, you know, just seeing them win every year, it really hurts. So having to see them lose and see the team crumble just feels like this is it. You know, I really think they're done. I mean, Tom Brady, I mean, he has – I don't think he has anything left. I mean, I think he's a little stubborn right now by saying he's not going to retire, he's still going to play, but if he does – you know, I don't unless he goes to a really good situation. I, I don't see it because I don't think he still has it. And Bill Belichick, I mean, they really don't have anything to prove. I mean, if they just they just call it quits now, then you know, I don't see anything wrong with that. They they already they have all the accolades. What else do they have to prove? That the only thing I can think of is maybe they want to prove that they can win without each other. Without Other each than other. that, yep. what, what what else what else do they have to prove? I mean, you know what I mean. There's nobody that's probably going to top what they've done probably ever. I mean, all the championships and appearances and, and the wins. I mean, I don't think anyone's going to top that. So I don't see, I mean, maybe he thinks it over and he calls it quits. I can, I can totally see that happening. It's going to be, I mean, no one knows. He doesn't even know. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Um, I, I just, we're just going to have to wait and see. And I, and I hate that answer, but we're just going to have to wait and see. But for, and the other thing is it, as a Jets fan, you'd have to think that, you know, since that rain is crumbling to an end, right? Does, the Bills would scare me now. The Bills are surging. The Bills are a really good team, but I'm still not a Josh Allen believer, honestly. I mean, I think he's got a really strong arm, but I don't know about his accuracy. I don't I don't think he's going to, you know, I, only time will tell, but, you know, people say, oh, like I'm hearing people saying Josh Allen's better than Sam Darnold. I'm like, nah, man. Right now, the Jets aren't a good team, and I, and I have a lot of faith in uh, Joe Douglas. I think he's going to, you know, Build this team the right way. Hopefully, you know, start at the O line because that's what you got. That's where you got to start. Yep. And eventually, you know, we will see what Sam Darnold is really about. But I just don't think I watched Josh uh, Allen and he's got the arm strength. But you see these small, you know, intermediate passes and and he he's off. You know what I mean? And those are important. So I mean, he's got the legs to create time and everything. But he's just got a really good team around him. So I think the Bills, it, unless they you know keep that team for a long time. They're not, I, they don't scare me. They don't scare me at all. Oh, man, thanks for the call. I, what scares me, though, about the Jets is their head coach and the fact that the quarterback that he used to coach in Miami is is doing well, really well, without him. And I'm worried for Sam Darnold because what is the Adam Gase effect on Sam Darnold? I'm, I'm, that's what I'm concerned about. So... I, I don't know. I don't know. Does does Buffalo scare me as a Jets fan? I would say yes because of their defense more than anything. Mike and so, Tom's River, you're on the fan. I, I don't know. I don't know. Does, does Buffalo scare me as a Jets fan? All right. 
Mike, I, I can't, I can't, I can't get that feedback on there. Sorry about that. Uh, you can, go, you're welcome to call back eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. I just, you, you can't have that on there. Um, so I'm looking at 2020 draft picks. The the Buffalo Bills, this is according to the Democrat and Chronicle, a part of the USA Network. They have a, they have their own pick in every round except for the seventh round. Nine total selections. Um, I don't know. I just always thought that once the Patriots' reign was over, that it would be the Jets coming out on top. And with Sam Darnold, you would think it's it's true. But you got the Bills. And, you know, they're a young team. They're figuring it out. But they've got guys on that team, pieces in place that Ed Oliver being one of the, the better ones. I mean, Josh Allen might still be um, a question mark, but Ed Oliver... He's a good player, man. I don't know. I, I'd be concerned if I was a Jets fan. But I do think that Tom Brady would go back to the Patriots. Although, Brady and Belichick to the, the Cowboys. That's an interesting conspiracy theory. More calls after the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on the fan. He's Marco Belletti with the update. Coming up on Monday at 10 a.m. on Moose and Maggie, react to wild card weekend. Who survived? Who didn't? Look ahead to the divisional round as well. Giants coaching search. What's going on with the Jets, Mets, Yankees? We got it all covered for you. 10 a.m. Monday morning right here on Sports Radio 1019 FM and 66 WFAN and WFAN FM New York. Sports Radio 1019 FM. The Fan and Sports Radio 66. And I'm Daniel McCartan here back with you guys on McCartan After Midnight with Teresa Walker, very special guest, the last minute kind of guest tonight, who covers the Titans for AP. And Teresa, you know, watching this game tonight, a lot of people are thinking that the uh, the, uh, New England Patriots dynasty is over. What do you have to say to that? Well, the fact of the matter is Tom Brady is, you know, not under contract after this season. So, you know, the new league year starts March 18th. And, you know, it, it kind of felt, even though, you know, he wasn't ready to talk about his future right after the game when he talked to the media, it, you know, it does feel like we're on the precipice of seeing him go somewhere else. I mean, let's face it, Brett Favre finished his uh, career in a different uniform. So did Peyton Manning, Joe Montana. Uh, you know, it's rare that you get to be John Elway and finish your career winning a Super Bowl and walking off into the sunset. And something that, you know, let's face it, Tom Brady's had his chance. I mean, they've won two of the last three Super Bowls, and yet he kept coming back. And, you know, at this point, uh, you know, we're going to have to wait and see. But it, it did, you know, it, let's face it, we all kind of feel like this is, uh, that was the last game. And But you know what? The one thing we know, Danielle, is the Patriots always find a way to surprise people. Uh, they didn't uh, against the Tennessee Titans in the wild card round or last week against Miami, which is why they were playing in this game to begin with. But, uh, you know, at this point, it, it, it feels like uh, it'd be a surprise to see him back in New England next fall. At a certain point, I mean, he's, you know, he's 42 now, right? So it just feels like at a certain point, you know, if you're New England, you have to turn the page uh, and, and, and look elsewhere. And, and guess what? He, he also has an opportunity to maybe go look for a paycheck from somebody else. You know, he's taken how many deals over the years that were team-friendly and, you know, less than the, uh, the money that he's getting. And we look at, you know, shoot the cap figure. I think the franchise number for quarterbacks in 2020 is looking like $25 million or so. Uh, there's a lot of money to be made out there if he is determined to keep playing. You know, I was thinking as you said that, 
two things. One came to my mind is, is he really after the money? Because his wife, last I checked, is worth more than he is. Money is a way of keeping score. Uh, you know, even though he's got all those postseason records, six rings, you name all, you know, look at all the things that he's got to his credit. You know, at a certain point, you know, uh, getting those big checks, getting that number and, and continuing to play is part of the deal. And who knows, maybe he gets off into this off season and, you know, his wife starts talking to him and, it, you know, says, honey, maybe it's time you, you turn your attention to the family. So at this point, let's face it, it's going to be probably one of the, if not the top story of the offseason. I'm sure I'm going to be getting some calls tonight already, if I haven't already, about it. And the other thing is, if it's not the Patriots, where else would it or could it be? I'm hearing, I'm thinking Chargers, I'm thinking maybe Miami, but he wouldn't do that. Um, where where do you see it if it's not New England? Well, shoot, before tonight, uh, you know, the Titans and, and uh, the Patriots practiced against each other back in August, and until Ryan Tannehill kind of became, you know, the, the starter that he is now, the NFL's, you know, leading passer rating and things like that, uh, there was an awful lot of speculation that, you know, he might end up in Nashville with the Titans and, and, and Mike Rabel, his good buddy, mm-hmm. but... Brian Tannehill right now sure seems like he's found a way to, uh, you know, for the Titans to want to keep him around for three, four years easy. So uh, that's going to be the question. You know, Tom Brady doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's going to take just a paycheck to go somewhere uh, and play. But, you know, look, you know, Philip Rivers, uh, uh, Eli, there's so much quarterback uh, change that's coming in this offseason. You know, Marcus Mariota was the starter in Tennessee, and he'll be hitting the free agent market. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see, but cannot see him going to a team that doesn't have a serious opportunity to compete for a Super Bowl ring. I mean, that's that, that's kind of his standard, right? Right. And now, I see, Tannehill was with Adam Gase uh, for a long time in Miami, or at least a couple years. And I, I say it every week on the show. He, he got away from Adam Gase, and now he look at him. He, he's well into the playoffs this season, and he's having a career year. Um, I guess it's a two-parter. Like, what has he been able to do in, in getting away from Adam Gase, and how has that been able to be realized down there in, in Nashville? His talent. Well, Daniel. Well, what he's done is the one thing that you know you hear more most often is Kenny Hill has been decisive when he's got that ball. He's getting it out of there quickly uh, and, and taking advantage. He's in the first year or in a system with the first year offense coordinator in Arthur Smith. Uh, so, you know, but this was a team, the Titans, they brought in a lot of talent this year. The reason they brought in uh, traded for, with Miami for Tannehill was to upgrade their backup situation to Marcus Mariota because he had not been able to finish the season uh, because of injuries. Most recently last year when they had a chance to play in the finale against Indianapolis for a playoff spot and couldn't get it done with uh, Mariota, one of the starters missing in that game to injury. So, you know, they brought, they drafted A.J. Brown, a 55th first pick overall, and, and all he's done is turn in a 1,000-yard season and lead all rookies in receptions and, and tie for TD catches. Uh, they brought in, they signed Adam Humphreys, who though he's missed the last five games now, they also, he, he, he's been a piece of this offense. They brought in as a big left guard free agent signing, Roger Saffold, and, you know, if you watch that line tonight, they were doing a lot of running between, uh, behind him and left tackle Taylor Lewan. So, you know, they, they added pieces to this offense, uh, trying to put Marcus Mariota into position to, to blossom in his fifth year and the final year of his deal. And when he got benched because one touchdown in a 10 quarter period, they were two and four. Tannehill came in and he, he showed that, you know, quarterback could take advantage of one, the system and the players around him. 
So the storyline seems to be, you know, the takeaway from this, all across the radio waves on my way in, oh, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, where is he, he going to go? But the Titans just went to Foxborough and beat Tom Brady, maybe ending the dynasty. The story should be focused on them. And how about that goal line stop that they got? I think, to me, that was the fork in the Patriots right then and there. It was a big one. It's not the first one that they've had this year. Uh, you know, when they got started, uh, Ryan Tannehill got put into the lineup started against the Chargers, and they had a goal line stand inside the final minute where they not only made the stops and ended up forced, you know, coming away with a fumble to seal the win, they ended up benefiting from not one, not two, but three different reviews, and they won all three uh, to do that inside the final minute, uh, you know, up against their you know, own one. I mean, they were backed up on the goal line. So they've been there in that situation and, and managed to, you know, bend but not break. And so they've been there before, and that defense, they've been a little rattled. You know, they've, they, they got a Dory Jackson back in their secondary tonight, and, you know, they, they really seem to settle down, even despite losing Jayon Brown early in that game with the shoulder injury. But, you know, they, they've kind of done that this season. Rashawn Evans, he was their first-round pick a year ago out of Alabama, and, you know, he, he really had an impressive night. He was a guy who had a couple of really key stops, uh, kind of a jump tackle there to help force them to that field goal. We... Um... Another, uh, we're, we're we're watching this game and, and we're thinking, I mean, Derrick Henry absolutely manhandled the the defensive line of the Patriots. I mean, he, I mean, this game was won and lost on his shoulders because Tannehill didn't have the best numbers tonight. Oh, it was not Tannehill's best night at all. I mean, the 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 uh, the, the interception that you know that was just not a well thrown ball off his back foot, underthrown. Uh, you know, had, they had trouble holding on the ball a couple times. Those are the kind of plays that have absolutely hurt them uh, at times this season, and yet the defense made sure it didn't. But Derrick Henry, you watched him run. You know, there's one play where he was kind of stopped and looked like it would be a loss, and he just cut around to the upside and got positive yardage out of that. He was just not going to be stopped. You know, people kind of forget sometimes that, you know, he came on late last season, had the December, the, you know, the most rushing yards in any month of the season last year, uh, his first 1,000-yard season. And, you know, the big question this offseason was, would he be able to do that this year? Well, a little bit of a slow start because the offense was struggling at times. Uh, they missed Taylor Lawan was suspended the first four games of the season for, uh, you know, PED tests. And, you know, they, it took him a while with Roger Saffold being new in the mix to get things settled in. But he really, you know, when Tannehill got into the lineup, that play-action threat just kind of meshed, and he has just been picking up steam every week. Last week, he, you know, he, he, and he's over a hamstring that slowed him in the month of December. He was on the injury report for much of December. They held him out of Week 16 against the Saints, and then he came back, and that seemed to be the trick to help him, you know, click into gear and. You know, impressive. It was a franchise record, you know, rushing yards uh, by him tonight. And shoot, he had over you know 100 by halftime, and you know was taking care of things on that touchdown drive that he capped all by himself. He counted for every yard on that drive. So, yeah, I think the the numbers we're seeing is 73 percent of the offense. Derrick Henry was responsible for that tonight. Six foot three, 247 pounds, and you know he he rises up to the moment. He's used to big games playing at Alabama in college, and you know he he's been saying. Why not us? And the Titans are embracing that thought. Tannehill, excuse me, Tannehill, his first ever playoff game, right? He's 0-6 yes. all-time at New England. The Titans have slayed the Dragon once. They're going to Baltimore. Can they slay the number one seed, Ravens? 
Well, on paper, of course not. I mean, uh, I'm seeing odds already that they're nine and a half point dogs going to Baltimore. But I also covered the uh, NFL's best team, or at least by record, in 2000 and 2008. That was the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, the Titans had started the, the year in 08, 10 straight wins. They had the bye. They were hosting the Ravens as wild cards in each of those years. People thought that the Titans were the favorite to go win Super Bowls. And then the Ravens came to town and spoiled both of those parties. You know, Eddie George was the running back in 2000, Chris Johnson in 09, or 08, excuse me, as a rookie. And uh, the Ravens were the spoilers. So, you know, now it's the Ravens with the best record at 14-2. and two. They've got the winning streak that's been going. Uh, you know, Lamar uh, Jackson's apparently over the illness that he had this week. But, uh, you know, they're – with the way Derrick Henry is running the ball, with the defense, you know, allowing 13 points tonight, you know, that they started the season, the first seven games did not allow more than 20 points in any of those seven games. You know, they're kind of clicking back into gear, so to speak. So, you know, you do that, you know, you've got a chance. And so we have sports betting here in New Jersey. It's legal. Well, I'm in New York right now, but in New Jersey it's legal. You're saying that the, the Titans are the underdogs. What would you say is – um, the one single key matchup for that game, like if if the Titans are going to beat the Ravens that game, who's going to have to have an outstanding game or what unit has to have an outstanding game? Well, it's probably going to be the linebackers for the Titans. Uh, you know, I expect the Titans to be able to run the ball. And the last time these teams met last year here in Nashville, the Ravens came up with 11 sacks. Uh, it was just, it was brutal. And Marcus Mariota was the quarterback that day who was used and abused. But Let's face it, uh, Lamar Jackson has absolutely had a stunning season. Everyone expects him to be the NFL's MVP. And, you know, the way he runs and can get upfield, Rashawn Evans, Harold Landry, uh, Derek Roberson, some of those guys, Leslie Woodyard, uh, David Long Jr., who came in for Jayon Brown, they're going to have to be able to uh, keep him from getting too far down the field. So it's going to be a very interesting game. But what if, let me, one more follow-up question. What if Tannehill has another game next week like he did tonight? I mean, they're obviously going to Oh, the Ravens will win. What's that? Oh, yeah, the, the Ravens will win. Yeah. I mean, I, I've seen that before, you know, whether it was 2000 and, you know, uh, Ray Lewis was the guy who took the ball away from uh, Eddie George at one point and ran it back for, you know, part of a big interception. Uh, they blocked a field goal by Aldo Greco. And let's not forget, the new kicker for the Tennessee Titans, one reason why they chose to run clock and, and punt was their new kicker has not kicked a field goal yet for them. He's their fourth different kicker this season and has yet to kick a field goal for them. So uh, they were last in the NFL, 44% field goal percentage. So it, it, it's ugly in that part. But if, if he turns the ball over, has a game like, uh, yes, next Saturday night like he did in New England, uh, it's tough not to see the Ravens winning and winning big. And uh, this is Teresa Walker, who covers the Titans for the Associated Press. Always a great interview. And let's go to Franklin Square and Bobby. You're on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. How are you? Good. How are you, Bobby? Good. I want to ask a question. Um, if you were the coach of the Seattle Seahawks for tonight's game, mm-hmm. now we all know that the Philadelphia Eagles secondary is trash. Mm-hmm. We know that Metcalf's going to have a big game. Would you utilize the run more, or would you try to open it up with the wide receivers, Metcalf and Lockhart? Um, see, DK Metcalf, I loved coming out of the draft, actually. Um, he's a great receiver. He's done great things. And, and Lockett is also really good and can stretch the field. Um, I, I, it goes hand in hand. I mean, I would start run, 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 run. That's how I would start the game, at least. Um, now, Philadelphia yards per play is third in the NFL this year. So they're pretty good against the run. Yeah, I, I just, just think that 
Philadelphia secondary is just such trash. Yeah, I just think you got to get it going a little bit against the run, though, first. I mean, you got to establish the run to establish the pass, in my coaching philosophy, you know, for football. But, you know, if you, if you oh, I, sit back and start winding up and throwing it deep, I mean, you haven't even tried the running game yet. You, you haven't opened anything up, you know? I agree. And part of me, as a lifelong Jets fan, has to say, you know, week in and week out, having my heart ripped out twice a season, yeah. I smiled when Tom Brady walked off the field today. I had a smile on my face. The dynasty, the end of the dynasty. Yeah, finally, you would think, right? If I, I don't know, he might be back though. He might have one more year of him at least. I think. What do you think the probability of him possibly signing with the Oakland Raiders are? Well, um, I mean that's good too. I just uh, the Raiders, I don't think are are ready to be win now. I mean Tom Brady's going to win now teams, and I don't I don't know how close they really are. I agree. Danielle, have a wonderful new year, and I want to say good morning to my friend Lulu. I'll talk to you soon. (laughs) All right. Bobby, thanks for hanging on through that, the interview uh, with Teresa Walker. Um, Yeah, I I don't know, but but the philosophy for the Seahawks game is you got a rushing, a quarterback that can run. You got Marshawn Lynch, you establish the run first, set up the play action, and then throw it deep. Throw it over the top. More your calls after the break, 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan. Right after Football Sunday with Mark Melusis and David Deal, it's another wild card weekend doubleheader beginning at 1230 as the New Orleans Saints host the Minnesota Vikings, followed by the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Seattle Seahawks. So stay right here for all the play-by-play exclusively on your flagship station for the entire NFL postseason, including Super Bowl 54, Sports Radio 1019 FM, and Sports Radio 66, WFA and WFAN-FM, New York. All the Giants want to do is be successful. Thank you, Drake. Thank you, Emmanuel here. Um, so, listen, we're, we're taking a lot of calls tonight as to what is going to happen to the Patriots dynasty. Um, and, and, and will Tom Brady and Bill Belichick go somewhere? Will they, First, will they stay where they are? Second, will they go somewhere together? Or third, will they split up and have to prove that they can win a Super Bowl without each other? Um, I think those are all very fair possibilities. If they do stay together, they're going to have to build through the draft, which, you know, they obviously are not going to get a high pick in the draft because of the way that they finished as a playoff team. And if they're going to stay together, but somewhere else. We just had a caller suggest maybe Dallas. And I read into it a little bit of like, wait a minute. Maybe that's why they're stringing Jason Garrett along. I mean, Emmanuel and I were talking. This could be, this has never happened before. Like, this could be groundbreaking. It's a possibility. I mean, the cap space does check out for the Dallas Cowboys. And... I think Jerry Jones would do absolutely anything to win a Super Bowl as soon as possible. I mean, he is getting older. And I don't think Dak Prescott would be the guy that he could do it with. They have an amazing offensive line. They've got a great running back. They can bring Amari Cooper back. And they got a pretty good defense. I mean, Brady's going to be looking for a win-now sort of team. Maybe he's the final piece for the Cowboys, America's team. But as far as Bill Belichick's contract, 
I checked my trusty sport track website and uh, there's no information. There's not even a, a photo of Bill Belichick on that site. So here's an article from heavy.com written by Emily Binks, updated at January 4th, 2020 at 6 p.m. So the quote from Robert Kraft about Bill Belichick's contract, according to her article, says, quote, we have a pact that we don't talk about that. He knows and I know, but he won't be done this year. As for an exact end date, Kraft said, if I knew a date, I would tell you that I knew. I wouldn't tell you when it is, but I would tell you that there is a date. That's, um, I, I don't know what I could take from that. You know, like, if I knew a date, I would tell you that I knew. It's like a riddle. I would tell, and a riddle at 3.45 in the morning is, is tough. But I knew, if I knew a date, I would tell you that I knew. So, makes me think that, I don't know, maybe the contract has expired. Maybe it's a year-to-year contract. Maybe it's been year-to-year every single year. We don't know. And Bill Belichick has re-upped it every single year, maybe. And that's why he can't tell us when it is, because there is not a date, because every year it gets re-upped. I don't know. Nobody knows. But I know Giants fans are definitely intrigued of a Bill Belichick reunion. And Jets fans... Well, it's almost 20, exactly 20 years to the date. We are three three hours and 46 minutes removed. But it's almost 20 years to the exact same date that Bill Belichick tur- pulled a 180 on, on Jets, on the Jets and their fans. In 2000, he was the, coach for, the head coach of the Jets for 20, 20, 24 hours just about, or even a little less. So to be back in that building with Bill Belichick, I don't know how Jets fans would feel about that. But if it's not Bill Belichick for the Giants, I'm going Mike McCarthy. I'm not sold on Matt Rule at all. At all. But our Jets and our Giants are not playing in Wild Card Weekend. We've got a slate of games for later today. We've got the Minnesota Vikings, the New Orleans Saints, and then the later game is the Seahawks-Eagles. And by the way, I love that it starts at 440 because – you could see the end of it. You don't have to turn it off on a Sunday night. I love that. Yes, that's a win, NFL. What a win. Justin, in Floral Park, you're on the fan. Hey, what's up, Danielle? How are you? Oh, good. How are you? Oh, you know, just my voice is gone. Bills was a heartbreaker. But at least the Patriots lost, so I got that to look forward to. <laughs> I but, guess um, so, yeah. I mean, terrible play calling by Debole. How does Singletary not touch the ball in overtime? Yeah, Can I don't explain know. Explain that to me? I don't know. I mean, Especially after uh, Allen was taking some sacks there, taking oh some God. heat. Josh Allen's got to get rid of the football. That was my biggest fear. I told you when I called you early in, in the week. J.J. Yeah. Watt scared the heck out of me that he's playing, mm-hmm. and he disrupted this game big time. Mm-hmm. Which know, is surprising it, to me. I, I, you know, these guys come back from injury, and they say, oh, they're, yeah. they're in game shape. But, I mean, he really was in game shape, really. Oh, my God, he was tremendous. Yeah. All over the field. Yep. And, you know, the Bills did all that trickery in the beginning of the game, and then they did nothing. I know. How about that play, though? How about that Josh Allen oh, play? I was, I was pumped. My son was pumped. You know, <laughs> he got giddy. He was saying, oh, we're going to win, Dad. We're up 16 nothing. I said, yeah. calm down. You know, he's a little wet behind the ears. He's only six years old. <laughs> calm down, boy. You're not going to win yet. So, uh, you know, it's a building block, I think. But I think the Patriot dynasty is over. Um, I honestly think, I feel, I don't think the Cowboys, for some reason, I think he's going to go to the Chargers. He's a California guy. I think they, they're really having trouble selling tickets out there. And I think he even wants to be an owner of Brady. So I could really see him going there. I think Belichick wants to win without the Brady. 
So I can see Belichick staying with the Pats and trying to get like a Cam Newton to New England or, you know, somebody of that stature, maybe even a Marcus Mariota. Hey, Marcus so, Mariota would be a total rehab project. I'm not yeah, but I can see I can see Belichick doing it. Look what happened yeah. when he had Matt Castle at quarterback. They won 11 games. Yeah, Who's Matt true. Castle? I mean, you know? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's, it's very intriguing. Uh, the Cowboys, I, I don't know. But they, it makes sense. That's why they didn't sign Dak. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. Can you it's imagine? It's be a very interesting offseason. Yeah, that's another thing. They're leading Jason Garrett on with breadcrumbs, and they haven't signed yeah. Dak. <laughs> Maybe this is the reason why. This is like uh, as the world turns. It's, oh it's my god! Very interesting. But uh, <laughs> you know, I'm proud of the Bills. You know, it's been a hell of a year. I think McDermott and Bean are the right hires there. I agree. And uh, you know, they just do one more piece for Josh Allen, a playmaker, because John Brown's good, Beasley's good, but they need an actual like stud. Yeah. Like maybe a guy in the draft, they can get a receiver. I don't know if there's somebody out there. I like the kid from Alabama, but I don't know if he'll be there when the Bills pick. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. I know. And the Jets, too. I mean, the Jets yeah. are picking far down, too. The more games that they won, the the worse that they got in their draft stock, as you know as a Bills fan, I'm sure. Well, honestly, I think no, 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 nothing against the Jets. I think this is going to be a Bills-Miami thing because I love the coach in Miami. I think that's going to be the division. I, I just don't like Adam Gase. I think yeah. He's a terrible coach. I know. So you, I think it's going to be a Buffalo-Miami back like. Yeah, Jim Kelly, Dan Marino days. Oh, God. <laughs> for for us here in the New York area uh, and a lot of Jets fans listening, I hope you're wrong. <laughs> Danielle, don't forget, the Buffalo Bills are the only true New York team. Don't forget that. That's true. Josh Allen reminded us uh, yes, earlier. Yes, that's true, and I will remind all the Jets fans that the Jets and Giants play in Jersey. <laughs> that's right. Have a great night. Justin, thanks for the call. Uh, yeah, that, that is true. Geographically speaking, yes. Um, although, geographically speaking, the Jets and Giants play closer to the city of New York. The Bills are the only... New York team with a stadium in New York for sure. Um, and that's another interesting point. So are we building a case here, guys, for uh, Tom Brady to, to be playing with the Cowboys next year? I mean, that's another point that I hadn't also considered. Maybe it's they're leading Jason Garrett on because they're, they might be bringing in uh, Bill Belichick. And maybe they haven't signed Dak because they've got bigger plans. With Tom Brady. Oh, my God. And there are some Giants fans on Twitter begging me to remind you, and Twitter at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. But on Twitter, they are begging me to remind you guys that the Giants put an end to the Patriots dynasty not once, twice. So the Giants kept rings off the Patriots' fingers twice. Two rings are not on their fingers because of our New York Giants. So there you go. There's your little shout-out, guys. Franco in Manhattan. You're on the fan. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for keeping me company. So here it goes, right? Last week I called, and I said the reason that Tannehill's doing so good is because he got away from Adam Gase. Of course. All right. I'm just, whatever. With the Bills and the Texans, that dude was going to get spearheaded. I don't know how he became Spider-Man and evaded the two defenders. I know. Did but you he see did that? It and they won. I know he did his best Eli Manning uh, impression there. Did you yeah, see yeah, that? Yeah, that was Eli. Oh, my God. He was going to get speared. Yeah. <sighs> that was the game. Right. That, that was the game yeah, changer. Yeah, I can't, right? I can't believe that. I was like <laughs> watching that like, how? oh, my God. How did that work? That defied the laws of physics. Of I don't know. I don't know. Beard. And then, so now we're coming to the. So I'm predicting that the Saints are going to go to the Super Bowl yeah. because they got robbed last year. Yep. Uh, 
what else? The NFL's awesome, and uh, <laughs> you know how it is. I just I can't wait to see tomorrow's games, what happens, and uh, it's been fun. I mean, yeah, from- I knew that Brady was ever going to have to take you know a knee for this game or whatever. Yeah, and well, don't 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 write him off from Boston because you know he's not. I doubt it. He's gonna want to go to another team to start taking hits and this and that. He's gonna play another year or two, see where it goes because he's loyal to Belichick and Kraft. He's not just gonna. It's not about the money anymore. Like you gotta understand that. Yeah. Him. Oh yeah. His wife makes it's more than he does. Not about the money anymore, yeah. but um. Giselle makes more than he does for sure. She does. She's got a higher net worth than he does. <laughs> but uh, let's see what happens. So thank you for keeping me company and good night, Franco Manhattan. Franco in Manhattan. The, and wild card weekend, is it not the most exciting weekend in football? I mean, and here's the other thing. Alabama's Jerry Judy declares for NFL draft. He's the number one ride receiver in, in uh well, let's say the ESPN rankings, number three overall prospect for the draft. And when you look at the draft order, um, well, the Jets are out of the number three pick. The Jets have, have have kept winning and winning and winning, and now they sit very mid-range in the draft, and that's not going to help them with with a, a, a mediocre head coach. And yes, Franco, you're right. Tannehill got away from Adam Gase, and now look at him. All these players get away from Adam Gase and then look at them. All of them. Every single one of them. I mean, it's amazing. And and I'm I'm just, you know, I'm just, I don't know. I'm worried for the future of Sam Darnold with Adam Gase as his coach. Because I, 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 again, I look at these things, you guys. I compared Todd Bowles' numbers with Sam Darnold. In the, in the 2018 season, and then just 2019, Darnold and Gase. I mean, literally, they are almost identical. So if you had a problem with, you know, um, Todd Bowles and his inability to be an offensive-minded co- uh, coach, he's too defensive-minded, Adam Guru, Adam Guru, he's the man, he, he's, he'll get a, uh, the Jets to the promised land. Well, when you look at the stats that Sam Darnold has put up with both head coaches, uh, they're pretty identical. <laughs> I mean, really almost exactly the same across the board. Quarterback rating, sacks, everything, just everything. And what has, him, what has declined is Sam Darnold as a rusher with Adam Gase, actually, averaging 1.9 yards a rush as opposed to 3.1 with uh, Bulls, which kind of calls into question the Play calling abilities. You know, you guys know my feelings on Adam Gase. You know it. Um, I've presented a case, a different case, every single week um, for why <laughs> I, I don't think he's fit. And unfortunately, the, the last uptick of the season was uh, he was protected by a, a, a weak schedule. Um, he's got a great by all accounts, GM, that is also going to protect him. And he's got an absolutely great defensive coordinator that's also has protected him this entire season. Because when you also look at what Bulls did with his defense and as head coach and what Adam Gase did as head coach with his defense, Adam Gase had a better defense in, in 
most, if not all, of the defensive categories and only put up three more wins than Todd Bowles did, including the second-best, now we're talking regular season stats, second-best run defense in the entire league. That was Adam Gase. That's what he had. And meanwhile, for that particular that particular item, line item, Todd Bowles was operating with the seventh worst run defense in the league. Puts that at what? 23, ranked 23rd. Meanwhile, Adam Gase has number two. So, um, speaking of head coaches, did you hear the Giants are looking for one? <laughs> I know that was cheesy, but the Giants have interviewed a few different guys. You know, my qualifications, I'll get to those after the break. The Giants have looked into Mike McCarthy. Matt Rule seems to be the front runner, but I also have some thoughts on other guys like Don Wink Martingdale, who's 56 years old, um, and I, also Eric Bieniemy. I've got some thoughts on him, some pros and cons. I know some people were asking me on Twitter to to go over that, and also Chris Richard. And then maybe is Jason Garrett an opportunity? Is he going to have an opportunity with the Giants? We don't know. So we'll take more of your calls after the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on the fan. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. And welcome back, everybody. If you're just getting into your cars now or, you know, tuning in now, you just woke up in the middle of the night, I thank you for joining me, Danielle McCartan. I'm McCartan After Midnight here on WFAN Radio in New York City, New York. This is the big time, everybody, and love for you to get on the big time with me on the phone, 877-337-6666. We, uh, we talked a lot about Wild Card Weekend. We've talked about the Giants coaching sh- uh, search and, and where that might land them. We've talked about the Jets a little bit. I really would like to talk about uh, would Robbie Anderson or should Robbie Anderson be on the Jets next season? Will Le'Veon Bell be on the Jets next season? I mean, then also, you, you guys can't forget that Uenis Cespedes actually has this, you can't make this up news. And before we talked, we did, I, I called him Pumbaa. Pumbaa broke Uenis Cespedes' ankle in a couple different spots. I wonder if he let out a squeal, Cespedes, when he fell into the hole. Frank in Hoboken, you're on the fan. Hey, how are you, Danielle? Do you believe that Uenis really was charged by a boar and fell into this hole? That's how he broke his ankle. He he lied to the team about falling off. We've been suffering enough. This this contract and everything else. How are, we, how are we supposed to deal with him now? Okay, so I had somebody, or somebody sent me earlier tonight, Robert, on Twitter. He sent me a video from, uh, it was a tweet from 2017, detailing, this is Uenis Cespedes detailing the wild boar trap on his Florida ranch. 
I believe it. You, I, I didn't believe it until I saw this video, and I just hit retweet, so you can take a look at it, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I mean, Joannis, is he, is he's he literally to play in... A cowboy? Is he just trying to play a cowboy? That's what it looks like. Or does he like. To be a baseball player? I, look, he was literally climbing trees in his property to put traps in trees or something. I, I don't even know what exactly. he was doing. Like, okay, so if, if you want to be John Wayne, go be John Wayne, but don't play on the Mets. That's a fair point. There's there and there's there's things in 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 contracts, Frank, that say like you know you can't do this 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 or this. You know there are things that players can't do for obvious reasons. Why did that? MLB lied about it though. They said they said he fell off a horse. Mm, what I found and what I saw was that when it happened, Brody Van Wagenen had just said that he uh, he called it a violent fall. On the ranch, non-baseball related. Okay, so that's what the so the Mets were calling that. Yeah, it was. I mean, technically, theoretically, it, it was a fall, technically into a hole. I don't. I don't know. But wild boars, though, <laughs> I've read up on them. They can become up to three hundred pounds. So they're nasty. Yeah, they're nasty. So I, I don't. I don't know what the truth is. We'll never know what the truth is. But the fact of the matter is that he has a ranch. You could see it on my Twitter feed and. Yoannis Cespedes, uh, you should see him. I mean, you should really see it because I didn't believe it till I saw it. What he what he was doing? He was setting up. He was putting corn out to attract the boars into like these little pens that he designed. And when they touched the food, it was set up to like a pulley system that yanked the gate closed. I mean, this is wild, wild stuff. This is. Lion King sort of stuff. And it doesn't surprise me now that his walk-up song was the circle of life. I can't. I can't believe that. And, yes, there are things in player contracts that say you can't do X, Y, and Z activities because they would be, um, you know, detrimental to the, to the, con- the, the conduct of our team. And, you know, you don't know that they're doing them unless they post them online, right? And, one of the main concerns for Patriots fans, what, two years ago, was the video that Tom Brady put up jumping into a, a waterfall, jumping off a waterfall into, into a body of water. As an old dude, oh, that would worry me too if I were a Patriots fan. That would definitely worry me. Andy in Miami, you're on the fan. Coach, it's great to hear your voice. Good morning. Are you walking your dog again? I, you know, I wasn't going to say it, but yes, I am. It's about 65 degrees and oh, windy. It's beautiful. Wonderful. What do you got for me tonight? Very peaceful. First off, I, did I hear you right that it's 20 years to the day of HCNYJ? Yes. That is, I mean, look, as a long-suffering New York sports fan, that does bring a smile to my face. <laughs> to think that 20 years to the day the dynasty ends, if it does, that makes me feel pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Ironic, though. Ironic, but perfect yeah. if it happens. Yeah. Moving on to the Giants, I heard you mention in passing that um, you prefer McCarthy over Rule. Yeah. I agree, and the reason I agree is, you know, we've done the hot assistant the last two times. It's hard to believe that Pat Shermer was actually a hot assistant, but yeah. if you remember, you know, he took Case Keenum, who was awful on the Texans, and basically made him, you know, uh, a playoff winning 
quarterback got him to the NFC Championship game. And if you remember, there was a while they were saying that they were going to have to be a tandem if they took over. Like, Shermer would want to take Keenum with him. And I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) But uh, if Shermer did that to Keenum, I I do give Shermer props on one thing. I think Jones was lucky to get Shermer as a coach for a year. I know nobody wants to give Shermer any credit for anything. But, I mean, to me, it's clear that Shermer did more with Jones probably with a worse offensive line than your favorite Gase did with Darnold. Yes, I mean, I, I agree. I, I really believe, I agree. Yeah. And I think if you remember the beginning of the year, that's what he was supposed to do. And if you're going to take Snacks Harrison and you're going to take Landon Collins and you're going to take Olivier Vernon and you're going to take all these pieces off a defense that was, you know, middle of the pack to begin with. Right. What did they think was going to happen? Well, they're you know at, I mean? they're at the bottom of every single defensive category. That that's what that's what happened, right? And if you remember, Shermer's last press conference, he said something I thought really interesting. He said, "Look, uh, if I don't get to come back, whoever comes back will be coming out without fifteen million of dead cap money." Yes. How much of that was Odell Beckham? Yeah. And I mean, right. you know, the same general manager that signed him and said we didn't sign him to trade to him. Trade him Traded him, and not just traded him. Traded him after he created fifteen million of dead cap money. Yeah, and so, Eli Manning's coming off the books too now, too. Right. So I think it is really important who the coach is because I really do believe, and I don't think that Shermer's in-game decisions were great, but I think he did a, a tremendous job with Daniel Jones. Yes, they had an offensive line. Um, you know, Gettleman was giving them Omami and James Stewart. Uh, which wasn't exactly the greatest boon ever to an offense, and giving them good contracts, which were disasters. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the Patriots' uh, tackle they signed was really overpaid. Nate Solder. But the reason, yeah, I mean, the reason I think McCarthy is a, a much better bet than Rule is I'm a Rutgers alum, and I love Greg Schiano. I I'm, I saw that they just signed – Oklahoma State's offensive coordinator in the middle of the night. And uh, thank God, because Rutgers is paying, and that was the deal that Shanu made. Rutgers is paying for assistance. So to lure somebody away from Oklahoma State to come to Rutgers is not a normal thing. Yeah, it's impressive. I think yeah. that's, it is impressive, and I think that's a credit to Shianu. But the reason I bring Shianu up, Coach, is because Greg Shianu took Rutgers. And won like six bowl games, which hasn't happened before, hasn't happened since. And how do you do in the Buccaneers? Terrible. Yeah. And the reason I bring that up is, you know, look, I love the fact that Matt Rule is a disciple of Parcells. I love the fact that he coached for a year in the Giants. I love the fact that he knows the Northeast. I also kind of, you know, you have to respect the fact that even though Greg Williams was amazing with the Jets, he didn't want to be told by the Jets who his defensive coordinator was going to be right. and turn the job down. That being said, what I mean, he's won two games against ranked opponents. I mean, I don't think he played too many games at Temple that were big games. And, the and sh- Baylor. Yeah, and the Sugar Bowl was, was quite disappointing for me. Right. It was quite disappointing. And maybe I'm crazy. It's kind of annoying that, you know, I'm sure he needed to decompress. But, I mean, he's in Mexico on vacation. I mean, pretend you were interested in the job. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, well, I think he's trying to play hard to get. Andy, thanks for the call, as always. Um, Matt Rule might be playing hard to get, and, I, and I'm not exactly sure why. Um, 
Because my qualifications for the Giants' new head coach, I mean, you got to be a full team manager. You're going to have to give up your play calling to your coordinators. I don't. I told you that every week. I don't like when these guys are are calling plays when they really should be a head coach. They should be a head coach on the sideline, offensive mind, working with developing a quarterback and a winning pedigree, and. Those are my qualifications, and then when you look at the potential candidates and, and the guys that they've interviewed, Mike McCarthy's the only one that checks that box for me, all of those boxes for me. And Matt Rule, I, I, he's a front-runner because, like like you were just saying, he's 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 the hot, attractive guy, but like, but I don't think the Giants are in that position where they need the hot, attractive guy. I think they need the tried-and-true, and that would be Mike McCarthy. And... You know, you hear a lot about Aaron Rodgers and, and and McCarthy and how it ended so badly. But Aaron Rodgers actually said, I love Mike McCarthy. He's, Mike has been a huge part of my success in my career. Okay? I've had some amazing moments on and off the field. Mike, we've had issues, no doubt. Any long relationship has issues. But the way that we dealt with those issues, Mike and I, was face-to-face. And you can play those Matt Rule hype videos all you want. But that Sugar Bowl was disappointing to me. Not that they lost. Well, maybe that they lost. Because his Baylor Bears were seated seventh. Bulldogs are seated fifth. They're supposed to lose, right? But then Georgia played without like a dozen regulars, including three starting offensive linemen. Some players were hurt. Others chose to sit out. I mean, I'd hate to kill the guy for one game. But this was the game he had to make an impression. The point spread was only three and a half points. They were only three and a half point underdogs. They lost by 12. And by the way, the offensive strategy in that game, pass happy. 50 passing plays for rules bears. 28 rushing plays. But his quarterback was only operating with a 56% completion percentage. Um, How about you run the ball? That would worry me if I was Saquon Barkley. I don't know about you guys. Steve in Syracuse, you're on the fan. Hi, really enjoying the show. Thanks. Um, I'm uh, I'm a Broncos fan, so you know I've been long struggling here for a few years. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm wondering why why does everybody think that uh, the dynasty is over? I mean, uh, uh, the Patriots. I mean, what? It's just one you know one year. They just won the Super Bowl last year. I mean, why? Do, and Tom Brady didn't have an awful year. Why does everybody think all of a sudden the dynasty's over? Well, I just think that they lost to a spoiler Miami game, you know, at home last week, coupled with the fact, and that forced them into the wild card game to begin with, and then to lose in the wild card game. Tom Brady is not the Tom Brady it was, he was even last year, and I think people are seeing the decline, and I think that might be why people are calling for the end of the dynasty. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, but. Uh... So as far as Bill Belichick, I mean, why why would he want to go anywhere? I mean, he you know he's going to start a new dynasty or something like that. I, I don't think Robert Kraft is going to want to see these these things go away. I mean, I would yeah. think he'd give him one more year, you know? Yeah, I, and I think that though the pick six to end the game leaves a bad taste in the mouth of of people like of people in the front office of the Patriots. But if I if I am Robert Kraft, I would retain Bill Belichick. That's what I would do. Tom Brady, I'm not so sure. 
But then again, who do you have to replace him? He traded away Jimmy Garoppolo. He let him go to the 49ers, and, and he's sitting pretty with a bye week. He was watching the game from the couch like the rest of us were. Jimmy Garoppolo. So there is no heir apparent to Tom Brady. And that is the number one issue. And we'll take more of your calls after the break. we got Robbie Anderson on deck, Tom Brady's future, and we'll talk more about head coaching opportunities or candidates for the New York football giants. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. Right after Moose and Maggie, make sure you're listening to Joe Beningo and me, Evan Roberts, tomorrow at 2 o'clock. We react to everything that happened in Wild Card Weekend, start to think ahead towards Divisional Weekend, and who should the Giants hire and who shouldn't the Giants hire for their head coaching vacancy. It's the afternoon show with Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts right here on The Fan, Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. What an exciting, exciting day, Saturday of football we have experienced here in the New York City metro area. And none of our teams are playing, although the Buffalo Bills are a New York team, um, technically speaking, <laughs> literally speaking, really. But the Buffalo Bills lost, dropped one to the Houston Texans which in overtime, which I thought they should have won. Josh Allen, is he the guy? Uh, yet to be seen. But the defense looks really good for the Buffalo Bills. And, you know, the old adage that defense wins championships. And then you had the Tennessee Titans take down the New England Patriots in Foxborough and the Adam Guru-less Ryan Tannehill. Well, he did his thing, sort of, kind of. Anyway, his team did come away with a win. And um, after being 0-6 all-time at New England, his Titans were victorious. So, uh People are calling for the end of the Patriots dynasty. Is it possible? I know everybody that is a fan of somebody in the AFC East is is really hoping so. And maybe the rest of the country is as well because it seems that the Patriots are always in the Super Bowl. Robin, Connecticut, you're on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so listen, uh, Great day, I say. Anytime the Patriots lose is a great day. Glad to see them going home for the winter. So that's two out of two, three teams that I despise the most that are sitting home now. That's the Cowboys, the Patriots. All I have to do is get the Niners out of there, and, and, and that that'll be a, that'll that might be, be tough off, with but, the one seed, but sure. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but I'm a Rams fan, and they're my most hated rival. So gotcha. But anyhow, as far as, far as Belichick and uh, Brady, I don't think Belichick's going anywhere. But I want to see. I want to run a team by you as far as uh, a possible landing site for Brady. Mm-hmm. There's a team in the AFC, okay, that is built to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender right now, and they're not very sold on their present quarterback. Hmm. Uh, they play indoors. Could you guess what team I'm thinking of? They currently play indoors. Yep. Mm. And they got they 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 got a good team on both sides of the ball. They excellent coach. Can't and, be the Texans, uh, is it? Nope. Nope. Who is it? Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, I know. We mentioned and that in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, you did? Oh, I didn't. I yeah, didn't that's okay. Game, so no, I'm that's okay. Sorry. That's fine. That's fine. And they got Jacoby Brissett there, who actually played with Brady before. Right. Maybe you know, maybe he could come in there and tutor him a little bit more. But I, I'm, 
you know, but as a starter, because I'm sure Brady doesn't want to go anywhere as a backup, like just yeah. like Eli Manning. Of course. But, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, he's still playing at a high enough level where, you know, I think he could take a team like that and, and make them a legitimate, well, a legitimate contender, you know? Yeah, I mean, the turnaround would have to be fast. I mean, they finished the season at 7-9, and nine, AFC South. Right. Texans have 10 wins. Titans have 9. Could right. Brady give them, theoretically, three more wins? I think that's possible, yeah. yeah. But the other thing I heard, I actually heard that Philip Rivers might go out here, but I think Brady has more left than under Philip Rivers. I know, unfortunately. I mean, because I like Philip Rivers a lot, mm-hmm. but you know, I saw some of his play this year. And I think he's declined a lot more than Brady has for sure. You know. Yeah, and it, I mean, it makes sense on on the salary cap tracker because the Colts have the most cap space going into next season. Right. So that right, it's and, 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 right, and, they, and they're only paying Brissett. I think only like fifteen million a year or something like that. Or mm, uh, so, I don't yeah. Know. I mean, but, it's it's attractive because it's also indoors. I mean, as an older guy, you yeah, you know, someone exactly, on Twitter suggested exactly. Chicago. I don't think Chicago is a good place for it. Oh no, no, yeah, no, but yeah, yeah, exactly. It's indoors, and you know how the effect of wind on the passes and right, everything else. Right. The other thing I was actually thinking of, but then was Denver, but uh, I guess they're pretty much sold on Drew Locke. I think you know, plus they got that problem with Flacco. You know, they got that big contract with him. I don't know if they could get out from under that, but yeah, I don't. And uh, I don't. You know, I don't they they have reason. really, they still have a really good defense, you know. But you know, I don't know if. Uh, yeah, and Rob, thanks, you know, for, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Yeah, I, I don't see the uh, Denver Broncos as being, you know, one Tom Brady away from making the playoffs. Uh, sorry, I know they have the same record. They finished with the same record as the Colts. I think the Colts are in a better position. And let's go to Bayonne Thomas. You're on the fan. Hey, what's going on, Danielle? Nothing much. Just doing a show. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> all right. I, I was calling about Robbie Anderson, but uh, I don't. I don't care about him anymore. We, okay. We, we all topic now. Uh, I got a couple points. One, uh, I'm not sold on Daniel Jones. I like he hasn't shown me anything. He's, Two. Okay. All right. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I mean, he as a rookie quarterback i thought he did i thought he did fine enough he he led rookies in touchdowns and that that's that's important i mean you got to put points on the board to score i mean to win games yeah i i, I guess i'm i'm just i'm just really not so long. he he like doesn't show any type of uh ball protection at all well that's and, the thing when, yeah yeah and and when it counts he, he really hasn't impressed at all except for that Tampa Bay game yeah, no, but he, yeah, I mean, the, the come from behind victory, you know, quarterback in the Giants in close games. I wouldn't write him off just yet. I mean, he he had a head coach that you know was fired, so let's see what he does under a new head coach. I mean, that's obviously going to be no, the number one priority for the new head coach is is to get him to where he should be. I mean, I, I wouldn't write him off. He's he's mobile. He knows when to run. He he knows when to stay back, and he's working with wide receivers that don't create much separation at all they're not in the top tier of receivers that create separation at all so um i don't know i'm not ready to write him off just yet i think he's got talent and i I think he's going to be good for a long time here okay uh second what what do you think about josh allen uh he he looked great the first half the second half he just fell off He, he looked like a guy that was just uh ready to blow it yeah he looked nervous he didn't he look nervous yeah, he he looked like a guy that that wasn't ready for it, you know. It was like he. It was like uh, one thing I said to myself. Oh, I, I, it was, 
you know, every single snap, he, he didn't sit back in the pocket. He automatic, His feet just started moving automatically. He, he didn't look comfortable at all in the second half, and, and I'm, not, I'm not sure why. Yeah, that that uh, that lateral that he did. Um, oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> what was yeah. that? <laughs> that 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 was that was horrible. But I mean, I I honestly think that he's gonna have a, a better career than uh, Sam Donald. Well, that'll be something that we are going to compare for the next years and years to come, for sure. And Thomas, thanks for the call. I, you know, that's something we're gonna always talk about. You know, who had the better career? You know, whatever. But my problem with that is that maybe Josh Allen will because Adam Gase is the not the quarterback whisperer. He's the quarterback holder backer. Dylan in New Milford, you're on the fan. Yeah, yeah, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. How you doing? All right. So you think the Saints take the Super Bowl? I do. Yes. Me too. Yes, and I think yeah, Drew Brees is going to be the Super Bowl MVP and then he's going to hit retirement. That's what I think. A hundred. I, I I agree. I was hoping someone agreed with me. Yeah. No. I I do. I, I know they're the third seed. I know they have to you know beat the Forty ers probably eventually, um you know next week. But I don't I don't think the Niners are what everyone thinks they are though. That's the thing. Yeah. I mean, when you look at what the Saints have in Drew Brees and especially the two running backs, and more importantly, Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas catches the most balls in the entire NFL. I mm-hmm. I I I don't know. I like him. And Jimmy Garoppolo in a big spot. Do we know who he is? We don't. But we know who Drew Brees is in a big spot. Yeah. And, and that's the only way you can end that career is going out this year on top. Yeah, because if it's not this year, I just think the window is closed after closed. this year. That's yeah. it. Yeah. That's it. No, I mean, I'm no, I'm not a Saints fan by any means. Um, but no. I, I think I think the Saints are going to pull it off this year for sure. That's what I think. Lock it in now. Me too. All right. At least someone agrees with me. <laughs> Dylan, thanks for the call. All right. I, I didn't realize that the Saints winning the Super Bowl was the the underdog opinion here. I mean, I mean, I'm looking at the seedings. My, my brother's a Packers fan, so I know he's rooting for them. I don't know. I don't think the Seahawks have it. I don't think the Eagles are going to get out of tomorrow. And I think the Saints are virtually unbeatable there in the, in the dome. And Kirk Cousins. I mean, who is he? Who who really is Kirk Cousins? Uh, you know, you don't know. And Jimmy Garoppolo, you don't know who he is either, although he's got a great defense flanked by Joey Bosa, the brother of Nick Bosa, the better Bosa, that is. Um, and I, I don't know. I think the Chiefs are not what they, what they were. I think the Ravens are going to be interesting. If I had to guess today, I'd say Ravens Saints, and I, I, I'm not just saying that because two of the teams were eliminated today. But I was, that's what I ha- that's what I did say. I said Ravens Saints. It was my prediction for the Super Bowl, and I think that the Saints are going to pull it out. Rich in Montgomery, you're on the fan. Hey Daniel, how's it going? You do a great job. Um, Thank you. But the one thing about Drew Brees that a little bit gets me uh, curious as to whether or not he's going to be able to win the Super Bowl is he's only won, I believe, one or two playoff games on the road in his career. And he's going to have to win three on the road to get to the Super Bowl. Probably one in Green Bay in the cold. He's a dumb quarterback. That's usually something that goes against him. And another one against the 49ers who already beat Drew Brees at home. So I would have to disagree that the Saints are going to win the Super Bowl. That's just not my pick. But the real reason I called is because I honestly think if you look at the four chalk teams, the Chiefs, the 49ers, the Ravens, and the Saints, 
Yep. Outside of those four teams, which team do you think would have the best chance to win the Super Bowl? And honestly, I would have a hard time saying it's not the Titans. The way Tannehill's playing, they got a good defense. They have a great running back. I just honestly I like the Titans outside of those four chalk teams to win through Bowl. I just want to know what you think about that. Yeah, I mean that's a, that's a great question, and I think though, I, I just don't see how the Titans are going to get past the Ravens next week. I, I just don't see that. Um, I would love to be surprised. I always love the underdog story, so I would always love to be surprised. Uh, I know the Titans are very creative in their play calling tonight versus or earlier tonight versus the Patriots. Um, especially, uh, did you remember seeing where um, it was definitely a throwing situation? Was it right before the half, first half? Tom Brady dropped back to pass. There was not one rusher. There was not one person rushing the quarterback. I thought that was that. I thought that was funny. They were just standing there, like 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 a video game. Like, what do I do? What do I do? Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, if I think if the Titans get past the Ravens, yes. But that's a really tall task. Lamar Jackson is playing absolutely lights out. The defense on the Ravens, it creates confusion. Um, it's just so intricate, so complex. So to answer your question, which team other than the ones you gave? I would I would have to say the Packers. I, I would say the Packers for the same reasons you pointed out for the Titans. Their quarterback and their running back. I mean, Aaron Jones... I know because I firsthand because I had him on my my free league fantasy football team this year. Aaron Jones was great for the Packers, and that takes a little pressure off Aaron Rodgers. So um, if if it's not any of the ones that you named, I'm going to go Packers. I'm going to go with the Packers because they are playing. They had the bye, so they're well rested. And sometimes people argue that the bye doesn't give you the best chance. I think it does, especially in football and at this time in the season. So I'm going Packers, but ultimately I do think the Saints are the ones that, that pull it out. But that was a good point that you brought up, that he he hasn't won many playoff games on the road. But, you know, we'll see. Um, going to be interesting tomorrow. Um, we have Jack Curry coming up after the break, and we'll take more of your calls, obviously, after that. 877-337-6666. Got it. Welcome back, everybody. I am Danielle McCartan here on WFN Radio with Jack Curry, who is, if you didn't know, a five-time Emmy Award-winning Yes Network analyst and a two-time New York Times bestselling author. And the reason why we connected, one being over Don Larson and his life and career, I wanted to talk a little bit about Jack Curry's Hall of Fame ballot, who, who he is a voter, and a little bit about the current Yankee. So, Jack, thanks for joining us tonight. I really appreciate it. Danielle, I, I, I enjoy being here, and, and your connection and my connection goes back to the Yogi Berra Museum yeah. several years ago when we chatted, right? You were there for one of our Yes Network shows, and yep. I was impressed by your passion, so it, it's fun to be on your show. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And, then, you know, we're kind of full circle here because we met at the Yogi Berra Museum, and here we are talking about the life and career of Don Larson. And I needed to have you on because, Jack, you've covered the Yankees for just so long. I was hoping you can kind of let us in on the life, career, and, and legacy of Don Larson, who I didn't know this, honestly. I'll be honest. 
He retired with a losing career record, but obviously there was that one perfect day. One unbelievable day. On our airwaves with Yes when we were talking about him, I described him as an everyman legend. When you think about legends with the Yankees, you think about Yogi Berra or Gehrig or Ruth or Mantle or DiMaggio, but... Don Larson was a Yankee legend because he had that one magical day that every pitcher would love to dream that he could actually have. And in 1956, he had it. You're right, career record under 500, never won more than 11 games in a season. Two years before the perfect game, he lost 21 games in a season. So this is a guy who really did have that, that great fortune to pitch that game. And then, Danielle, I got to know him a little bit. Oh, Obviously, sure. he would do Yankee events at Old Timers Day, charity events. He reveled in being the perfect game pitcher. He would talk about it, and he often said that he thought about it multiple times a day for the next 63 years of his life. For him to be able to have that moment and have that game, it's pretty special. I came across an article, and now I feel bad because I don't know exactly where it came from, but his license plate was DL000. I find that <laughs> intriguing, <laughs> to say I think the least. That might have been, I read the same thing. I think the most recent time I read that, I think it might have been in the Daily News. And right, his initials, DL, and then the line score from the game. No, no runs, no hits, no errors. And Danielle, it's interesting, when you dig a little deeper into that game and that day, a couple of things that stand out for me First of all, he didn't even know he was pitching that day. Mm -hmm. In those days, they would often just put a baseball in the pitcher's cleat or spike before the game, and that's how you knew you were pitching. So here's game six of the World Series. He doesn't know he's pitching until he shows up that oh day. God. When he pitched a perfect game, he didn't know what a perfect game was. He what? knew he pitched a no-hitter. Yeah, he said after the game that he had never really heard the phrase perfect game. I don't think a pitcher had pitched one for 40 years. I think it was back to 1920 or 1918 or something like that. So it really wasn't in his baseball vernacular at all. And then the other thing that I found interesting is he's pitching a perfect game. Whitey Ford was warming up in the bullpen a couple of times in the game because it was such a close game. If Larson had run into an issue in an inning, they were going to bring in Whitey Ford. Do you think he could have won more than 11 games if he didn't go out and party like he did? He said that after his career, that he was disappointed in his career record. And I know nowadays in 2020, everyone says the pitcher's wins don't matter. He doesn't contribute. We, we get that whole line of thinking. But when Don Larson was playing, your one loss record mattered. And he was disappointed, Danielle, and he did cite some of the off-the-field behavior. He was a fun guy. He liked to party. He admitted that. In spring training of 56, he was involved in an incident where he crashed his car into a telephone pole and as he was returning to the team's hotel at 4 o'clock in the morning. Oh my so God. It, it was a guy who... Who, who liked to play around and uh, liked to enjoy himself off the field. Will a perfect game in a World Series ever happen again in our new age of baseball? Wow. That's a, fan that's a fantastic question because you're right. Would a pitcher be allowed to pitch a perfect game? Now, his pitch count that, that day was, was Nine, good. I think it was under 100 pitches. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. So, so in his situation, you could see a manager allowing a guy to go to 100. But that's a great question, Danielle. I, I think with someone like Scherzer, Cole, these durable pitchers, guys who are allowed to go to 120, 125, I think it could happen. But, man, I, I don't know if I would bet a ton of money on it because let's say, let's just use Garrett Cole as an example. If, if he was through seven perfect innings, but there was 
there were some long long at bats and some people had fouled some pitches off and he was sitting at 105 pitches with the Yankees of 2020. Would they rather go right to Britain than Chapman? Fifty years ago, people would laugh if you asked that question. Mm-hmm. But now, it's a very legitimate question. Would a manager let a guy stay in there? I would hope so, but I, I wouldn't guarantee it. I know, and I'm also thinking too, like like just the different type of batter. I mean, back then they were using bats that were like like three pounds or four pound bats. Like it's just a different hitter at the plate too. But I will say this about Larson's uh, perfect game. One more factoid: that Dodgers lineup included four future Hall of Famers. So he really he really stopped a, a juggernaut of a team. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're you're going to make me think about that. That that previous question you asked is a very interesting one because I. I don't know if we'll see something like that in the future. And that makes me think, too, just totally thinking that 56-game hitting streak, I don't think that's ever going to be broken. I've always thought that that is one of those very difficult records that sits on a mountaintop. If you want to place a bet, though, the record that you know will never be broken is Cal Ripken's what is it? I think it was tw- it was over 2,500 games. They just don't let guys play every day anymore. So yeah. that, that Ripken record is, is safe and sound. Being around the team, you know, he goes back for Old Timers Day, or used to go back, Don Larson, for Old Timers Day. Have you ever been privy to maybe a conversation uh, with him and one of the current guys, or someone told you something that, oh my God, yeah, Don Larson told me that? Here's how I'll answer that. A few years ago, there was a Yankee season ticket holder named Ira Lipman. Great man, really smart baseball fan. He actually passed away recently, too. And he asked me to host a Q&A with Don Larson that he held at the 21 Club in Manhattan. So though it wasn't with other teammates, this was a little peek behind the curtain with Don Larson. It was an hour's worth of people just peppering him with questions, and I would chime in with some questions. So I, I think I really got to meet and, and know Don when that happened. And the things that stood out for me, Danielle, he was honest, he was witty, he was insightful, and he just was a charming guy. There was no question that was asked that night that he didn't answer. Jack, you're you're a New New York Times bestselling author. If you could write a headline for the life of Don Larson, what would it be? Wow. So the writers don't write the headlines, first of all, as I'm trying to stall for time here. (laughs) I think it would be something along the lines of, Obviously, perfect would have to be in the headline somewhere, but perfect for a day, comma, then a perfect life. Something like that. How that one day just defined who he was for the rest of his life. So it would be something along those lines. I would absolutely have perfect in the headline and then just try and remind people that he he just rode that wave, so to speak, afterwards. There was a a lot of attention paid to one of the writers from the Daily News had a lead for the day that the perfect game was pitched was the imperfect man pitched a perfect game and people have always praised that as this wonderful lead and i don't want to throw out criticism however many years later here but we're all imperfect so i i I didn't love that 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 lead i didn't love the imperfect man pitched the perfect game because everyone's imperfect no one's invincible so anyway that's my my little aside about that we're talking with jack curry on wfan and jackie you uh, tweeted out your hall of fame ballot and i was checking it over and there's two things that stood out to me hit me with it because everybody else on twitter has hit me with it. yes right ahead your feelings (laughs) on i just happened to notice you voted no on clemens pettit sosa bonds and there's a yeah. There's a very well known accusation that's connected those guys. We won't go there. I wanted to ask you this actually: Will there be 
I say yes. Any ramifications for the Hall of Fame vote years from now if the Astros are found guilty of this scandal, and maybe even as soon as Carlos Beltran's time? Great question again, Danielle. I hadn't thought about that because I'm just wondering what the penalty or punishment is going to be because we know there is going to be one. I think that it goes into the stew as you're thinking about how you view a player and and that player's career. We don't know what the possible penalty is yet, so for now I would say to be determined. If Let's just say player X. I I don't even want to say a player yet since we don't know what the penalty might be or who might have been involved. Mm -hmm. But if it came out that player X had been cheating for three straight years and player X had a Hall of Fame type career, but people who were evaluating him thought that those three years of cheating embellished his career... I could easily see that impacting a voter. Remember, you're asking for 75% of the vote to get in the Hall of Fame. Obviously, that's three out of every four voters. If you if you took 40 sports writers and, and took them out to a restaurant and just asked them to order pizza, you, you might have a difficult time getting 30 out of 40 to agree. So anything that is going to possibly dent or blemish your candidacy is not a good thing. And, and you mentioned all those players earlier that I haven't voted for, and my stance has been if, if there's a scent of steroid around you or if there's an issue and it's out there that you were involved in performance-enhancing drugs, I, I, I'm not going to give you my vote. So that's been my stance on those guys. I've gotten calls here about Thurman Munson. What's the deal with that? Well, I was not a voter when Thurman Munson was on the ballot. Right. I was a teenager. Right. So I never had a chance to vote for Thurman Munson. When people were getting excited about Munson being on this golden era committee ballot, I was trying to tell some friends to temper the excitement a little bit because, again, that was a 16-person committee. So you needed 12 of the 16 to vote for you. And of those 12 voters got to vote for four slots. Mm-hmm. So again, you start to try and do the machinations and the math, and if there was already somebody who had two or three on their ballot, and then it came down to Munson versus Simmons, and obviously Simmons was the one who got in, some people might have said, okay, I'm going to side with Simmons. I, I think there should have been some sort of caveat attached to Munson's career. I know we can't predict the future, but if you look at the trajectory of his career and how he was playing at that point, And you just assume that without that horrible tragedy, he was going to play a few more years in the major leagues. I almost wish back then that there had been some sort of dispensation that they said, we need to evaluate this player as if his career would have been a little longer. There might be some people who disagree with me and say, well, his career was what it was. This is what the numbers were. He fell a little short. It is a little frustrating, especially for Yankee fans, that a player as great as Munson isn't honored in the Hall of Fame. And my final question on the Hall of Fame is, do you think Derek Jeter will be unanimous? Should he be unanimous? Yes, absolutely. The whole unanimity thing, the fact that it took so long and now Mariano burst through and got it, you would think that someone like Jeter would be able to follow suit. Almost 3,500 career hits, top 10 on uh, MVP ballots multiple times. I think it's seven times. We know his World Series and his postseason record. But for some reason, Danielle, I just have a suspicion that, that he's not going to follow Mariano. And, and why someone wouldn't vote for him, I'd love to hear the explanation. Mm-hmm. If someone's going to start talking about defensive metrics and his numbers defensively or, or not great. He does have multiple gold gloves on his resume. So whatever you want to say about that, he did win those awards. Do I think that Jeter's defense was great in his career? No, I don't. But if, if you're latching onto that to keep Derek Jeter out of the Hall of Fame, you're almost searching for reasons not to vote for him.
And we're talking with Jack Curry here on WFAN. And just two questions about the current Yankees. And obviously new news pretty much is this, um, maybe people don't know listening, but Domingo Herman suspended 81 games retroactive to last season, which is the longest in the history of MLB's domestic violence policy for when a player is not formally charged. He was fined a total of $209,000. He could start pitching in the minor leagues in May 21st. And he will lose all service time, which now makes him a free agent after the 2024 season. So two questions. One, while it is certainly punitive, it seems that the punishment is more rehabilitative, if that's the word. And what do you know about the situation regarding Herman and, and the plan moving forward for him? Well, I think the penalty tells you what you need to know about what presumably, allegedly, I shouldn't even say allegedly, it happened that he accepts the punishment. So something happened that he received, as you just detailed, a hefty punishment for. We, we should get it on the record that we, we all believe that any sort of domestic violence is, is vile and it shouldn't occur, and you deserve to be punished for that. So you brought up the right word about does he learn from this? Does he rehab from this? Is he contrite? Is he apologetic? Mm-hmm. The Yankees put out a statement where they said they supported MLB's decision. And they used the word encourage. They said they're encouraged that Herman has accepted this, hasn't tried to fight it, and will, I don't know the exact phrasing, but something along the lines of begin to make the changes that he needs to make. So what is the plan going forward for him? I think the -the off-the-field stuff, Danielle, like I said, he has to show contrition. He has to be apologetic. He has to hope that people forgive him. And there will be some people out there who won't. There are some people who are going to say, if you did that, what we believe you did, I, I'm never going to cheer for you at Yankee Stadium, and, and that's what he's going to have to live with. But I think if you're very contrite, you, you come back, you try and get yourself ready, and you try and be the type of pitcher you were last year. He's got an electric arm. He's 27 years old. I've seen some people say, get rid of him. The Yankees should get rid of him. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that's going to happen. I think the Yankees will ask him, as I said, to be apologetic, to, to admit that what he did was wrong, and then to come back. And his goal, Danielle, is to try and push the focus back on the baseball field, which initially might not be easy, but that what he, that's what he has to try and do. So you use the phrase, live with it. So the Steinbrenners and the Yankees will live with it? I believe so. Yes, I have not heard anything to the contrary. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Yankees acquired a role as Chapman after he had served a suspension for a domestic violence issue. Mm -hmm. And they said they were comfortable with the research and the investigation they did at that point with Chapman. Again, I can't stress it enough. We're all against domestic violence. We, We all think this is horrible and terrible behavior. It's now happened. So if you're a business, you're an organization like the Yankees, you try and, and move forward from that and, rehabilitate your player and and hope that your player becomes a better person. And I I think that's the position that the Yankees are in now. And my final question is, with this roster, I mean, last I checked, the Yankees were odds-on favorites to win the World Series, according to Las Vegas. But what would you say is the biggest question mark for you uh, moving forward with the personnel on this team? I I think it's health, Danielle, only because they were so injury-prone last year. I, I think it's a matter of Okay, can Severino come back and be the pitcher he was for the first half of 2018? Can Andujar come back and be a contributor in some way? We, we don't know what that's going to be. Does he play a little third, a little first? Are they going to try and spot him in the outfield? Does he DH? 
I look at Stanton, who only played, I believe, 18 games last year. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who needs to be on the field. His first year with the Yankees, he played almost the whole season. He played upwards of 158 games, I believe. So I look at that as being a big issue with them, just being able to stay on the field. And sometimes those are there are freakish injuries and unfortunate injuries that occur. But if this team stays healthy... I agree with Vegas. I think this team should win a World Series. I think it's a 103-win team that went out and got Cole, now has Severino for a full season, and has younger players who should be getting better. I think they should be the favorite to win it all. Well, then I will see you at the parade, Jack. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Jack, I appreciate you coming on. Um, at this time of night, on McCartan After Midnight, and thanks for all your insight. Thanks for having me, Danielle, and I look forward to seeing you at the stadium. And good morning, everybody. If you're just waking up, it is 5.07 already. Tonight flew by. But we still have another, what, 45 minutes to talk some more sports. Uh, it is wild card weekend That's that has been at the forefront of everybody's phone calls tonight, pretty much. And when you look at um, the trending topics on Twitter right now, here in our area, the top couple, you got Patriots, Gronk for some reason, and Tommy. And before, before the break, the Jets were trending, and so is AFC East. So there is, um, with the Patriots' loss tonight, shall we say, a possible major upheaval happening in the AFC East, and everybody is here for it. And I opened up the uh, opening monologue. You guys know me by now. I do the songs, and my song for this was um, "Flow Rider" featuring Sia. Hey, I heard you were a wild one. That, because it's wild card weekend. It is the most fun weekend in all of football. I mean, the upset specials and everything. And first, we had the first game today. What a wild game the Buffalo Bills and Houston Texans was. It did not disappoint. And after being up by a score of 16-0, the Bills coughed it up. The inexperience showed, and they coughed it up, and they ended up losing 22-19 in overtime, deep into overtime. And it'd be interesting to see how the Texans bounce back from that in time for the Chiefs game next week. We'll see. Um, But I really did think the Bills had this one. I I predicted, you know, I tweeted earlier today that they were going to win the game, and they almost did. When uh, what happened was the uh, Deshaun Watson, if you haven't seen it, Google it. He did his best Eli Manning impression to get out of that sack. He made a completion which set up the game-winning field goal. And then, obviously, the game of the night was the Titans at the Patriots. Titans won the game 20-13, to and the final, or one of the closing plays of the game, was Tom Brady throwing a pick six. And uh, that was the end of it. That's what happened. That's how it ended. And Tom Brady has a 2-2 two and two career record in the wildcard playoffs, and his Patriots were sent packing, and it sent the Twitter world a flutter and the phone calls on my program as well. Maybe I should have played Ding Dong, The Witch is Dead for that. Because where will TB12 be playing in 2020? He didn't answer that question at the press conference. And is Bill Belichick headed elsewhere as well? Is this the end of the Patriots dynasty? 
as we know it. And I was reminded on Twitter by a couple Giants fans at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N or Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. I can't keep saying Patriots Dynasty because the Giants handed the Patriots two crushing blows in the Super Bowl. <laughs> so get on the phone, 877-337-6666. Let's head out to Ron Konkuma. Eric, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle, good morning. Good morning. The, uh, look, uh, as far as – I'm not going to believe anything as far as Belichick or, or Brady until I actually see them either behind the bench of another team or wearing another uniform. Well, because you can't even especially, say – Especially with yesterday being the anniversary I was of, just going to say that. Yep. Yeah, Belichick, you know, uh, stabbing everyone in the back with the Jets there. Yeah, you can't even there. take it, it as a fact that if, if they're on the press conference podium, you, you can't even take that as a fact that they're going to be part exactly, of the team. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to believe it until until it is there. Okay. okay? Um, so that, that that's one thing. Now, uh, yeah, you're right. Yesterday, both games were, were, were great on there. Uh, I, you know, let's see. You mentioned how um, the Texans, you know, how do for next week. I'm curious to see how Buffalo takes it for next year, you know, because you know they got a taste now, and you got a rookie quarterback. Mm-hmm. You know, with everyone had a lot of high praise on him going into the league, you know. So I mean, if, if anything, you would think that would fire him up to, you know, go even further next time. So mm-hmm. that should be interesting again, as far as the East is concerned. Yep. Um, Agreed. Last thing, quickly on Cespedes. Now, <laughs> I, I thought I heard you say before that, that there are pictures of him putting. Traps and trees, is that it's a, correct? It's a video, yeah. If you follow me on Twitter, I retweeted it. It's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Yeah, I retweeted it. It, it was fascinating. Let me tell you. It's like two minutes okay. long. Now, why I is watched he putting – yeah. these are boar traps he's putting in trees? Uh, yeah, it was like because some sort boars of can, – Boars can <laughs> climb trees. I know, I know. No, it was like some sort of mechanism, a, a cage. I, I don't know exactly what it was. I, I am not right. a, a rancher. I, I don't know. But he was definitely right. high right. well, up I, in a tree doing I, it for sure. Yes. Right. Well, I, I I went on the record with Sal yesterday, and I said something just doesn't sound right about this whole thing because the you know supposedly he was up front with them right away about what what supposedly happened here. It just seemed this the the amount of money that they took from him though uh, just seems too great for something of of especially if someone was up front with him. On there, I, I understand you're not supposed to be doing crazy things, you know, when you're on a sports team. Mm-hmm. But there's something just doesn't ring true to me on this, uh, on there as far as the uh, as far as the story. So, uh, yeah. you know, if he, I mean, he, he has a farm. I understand there's wild animals, you know, very likely around there. But if if one of them, if he spots one and he charges them on there, that's not him engaging the animal. That's him escaping the animal. And I, I can't imagine why it'd be a seventy-five or so percent pay cut for something like that. If he was hunting it, that's another story. And I could see maybe that's the true story on there. And uh, you know, the, you know, then then you're looking at a reason why you'd take that money. But just something just doesn't ring true to me on this. And and it wouldn't surprise me if if another change of story comes out in in the future on there. But I just had to throw that out there, Danielle. You have a great night. Thanks, Eric. And what I would say to you, I mean, I know it doesn't pass the sniff test. I know, especially in our area, you know, we're not accustomed to what's going on, you know, with wild boars and all that. But, I mean, it was investigated. I will say that the Mets went down to investigate the story and it checked out. The MLB went down to investigate the story and it checked out. And the Players Association went out to investigate the story, and it checked out. So um, 
I don't I don't know. I mean, I don't we can think there's this conspiracy theory all we want, but if, if those three entities are going down there and they're and they're checking it out and it checks out, then I don't know, what more could we say? And I, I when I opened up with that segment, I actually um opened it with the circle of life but a Lion King. Because as you if you're a Met fan, you know that Yuana Cespedes used to have this as his walk up song. The the circle of life. I mean, you can't make this up. You can't make it up. So then I had I went on a little punny uh, thing here with with Uena Cespedes, and I had eight. I got eight. I got eight pig puns in there, and I wonder if when you know he obviously he fractured his ankle, and I wonder if in, when he fell into that hole is what they said. He fell into a hole after he was charged. I wonder if he let out a squeal, or maybe it was a grunt. But ultimately, as Eric just said, it, it broke his piggy bank, too, because to the tune of millions of dollars, money at the time that Cespedes made it, may have taken for grunted. At the time, Brody Van Wagenen said he suffered a multiple right ankle fractures in a violent fall on the outfielder's ranch that was non-baseball related. So that adds up, right? This is all real deal. Everybody confirmed. Even with Niels Bohr could tell you that the root of all of Cespedes' angle fractures was the gravitational pull and eventual crash of a fall. Are you having a guilt trip, Mets fans, is what I asked? Total pig puns, eight. Count them. Steve in Manhattan, you're on the fan. If you have wild hogs and wood hogs running around your backyard, all you have to do is release <laughs> a couple of feral uh, mountain lions, and it'll be over like an hour or two. And, uh, and then you got a bigger problem. Get- yeah, then you'll have mountain lions running around <laughs> the backyard. But um, but they might be a little more you know pleasant to look at. Just I mean, you can't go out there and play with them. But uh, good morning, Danielle. And uh, the thing with Thurman rattled me up this morning. You know, some people should know. I mean, Thurman Munson played in the old Yankee Stadium. He played in the renovated Yankee Stadium. Left center field was referred to as Death Valley and Grand Canyon. That's what he was looking at. And when they renovated stadium, it was still 430 to left center field. You never heard Thurman complain. Thurman belongs in the Hall of Fame flat. They should just have Yankee fans vote. And Diana Munson could get that Hall of Fame speech going. Yeah. Because Thurman was one heck of a ball player. And I don't know if anybody brought it up. I hate to repeat something, okay. but the, the, the uh, Don Lawson no-hitter, I mean, we know all the stuff to it. But what about anybody bring up? how uh, he struck out Dale Mitchell, Lawson, to end the game. But does anyone know that Dale Berrer was named after Dale Mitchell, that the mother named him? No, no one brought that mm-hmm. up yet. Yeah, well, he was. He was born. Dale Berrer was born two months after the World Series. But during the World Series, Carmen Berrer was sitting there, and she says, if he strikes him out, I'm going to name my son after him. He struck him out, and that's how Dale got his name. Oh, get out of here. And, yeah, no, it's a true story. It's true. And Dale is, uh, you know, he was famous with the Pittsburgh thing, with the cocaine, with the caterers and stuff. But he straightened himself out. Yogi gave him some real tough love. And, he stra- and I hope he's doing good now, but he did straighten himself out. And uh, quickly on the um, the Tish Maris and stuff, listen, if, if Belichick, I mean, we're just dreaming here, right? But if he's available, I would suggest to those guys to break open the uh, saddlebags and bring uh, Belichick here. I, the te- the tissues are starting to get onto the Maris because the Maris really the last couple of coaches yeah. haven't been really up to par here. And I think they're starting to put their foot down with it. And hopefully 
They could bring. You got to bring somebody in who could manage the game, especially near the end of the game. That's what you need in there. All these fancy names. Are they making these names up? Eric the Enemy, Wink Martindale. Who <laughs> are these guys? Are they, are they making? Come on, are they making those names up? They sound they? like. Yeah. No. No, they're not. They are not. No, they're not. Those are real names. <laughs> those they're are not. real. Okay. They're, Wink. Those yeah. sound like. I would be frightened. I'm not. I'm a pretty tough guy. I'd be frightened if I heard those names going into a game. I'm just kidding around. But anyway. Do you want to do any follow-ups? Do you want me to do the update for you, Danielle, or do you want to just go to the next call? What would you like to do? Well, you'll have to uh, fight fight uh, Marco for the update. But, uh, Steve, I appreciate the call, as always. Thank you very much. Always always a funny funny phone call there. Uh, yeah, and, and the Giants, yes, have interviewed all of those guys, and they are set to meet with Matt Rule. I think it's scheduled for Tuesday. I mean, not that I know, but that's what I read. Um, but Chris Richard, they've interviewed. Mike McCarthy, they have interviewed. Eric Bieniemy, they have interviewed. Don Wink Martindale. And then Matt Rule is set for Tuesday. And I got to tell you, out of those five, if you made me choose right now which five I would pick, it would be Mike McCarthy. It would be Mike McCarthy. And if you ask me which of the open jobs has the most attractiveness out of all these, the Giants, we're assuming the Cowboys job is open because it's been reported that Mike McCarthy did go and interview there. So out of the Giants, Cowboys, Panthers, and Browns, which is the most appealing or attractive head coach job? I'm saying New York Giants. So that means the Giants have a little bit of leverage, you would think, on who they could bring in. And they are doing their due diligence. And yes, the Tishes are getting more involved, and maybe that's what needs to happen because – Mara's couple last choices didn't really work out. And, and John Mara does more of the game game day operations um, and Tish is more of the, the financing, et cetera. But, um, yeah, out of all those teams, Giants, Cowboys, Panthers, and Browns, if I'm a head coach, I'm picking the Giants. And we can get into why and why not Matt Rule because he seems to be the front runner after the break. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan. He's Marco on the update. What up on Monday at 10 a.m. on Moose and Maggie. React to Wild Card Weekend. Who survived? Who didn't? Look ahead to the divisional round as well. Giants coaching search. What's going on with the Jets, Mets, Yankees? We got it all covered for you. 10 a.m. Monday morning right here on Sports Radio 1019 FM and 66 WFAN and WFAN FM New York. And good morning again, everybody. I am Danielle McCartan here on WFAN Radio, McCartan After Midnight, or at this point, probably McCartan in the morning. Um, till 6 o'clock. We are together till 6 o'clock, so you guys can get on the phone, 877-337-6666. We've been quite busy tonight, and it's been mostly football tonight, to be honest. And I got this little stat for you just as I was perusing Twitter. Um, over the past two seasons, the Patriots have lost 10 games. Five of those 10 losses have come against former Patriots assistants or players. And that certainly was the case tonight when Vrabel's Titans beat Belichick's Patriots, sending everybody into a tailspin, people calling for the end of the day, end of days. On the way in, I actually tuned into one of our sister stations on the radio.com app, W-E-E-I. I wanted to see what the the New England perspective was on, on this. Let me tell you something. The callers are are very angry. They, the callers are very angry about what's going on in New England. And the hosts, uh, I didn't catch their names because they didn't say their names, but the hosts on that show, the post-game show, 
seem to think that Tom Brady will be back in New England next season. Uh, that's yet to be seen. But Tom Brady has said that he basically, in without these words, said that he will play next season. Where? To be determined. Marty in Westchester, you're on the fan. Yes, good morning, Danielle. How are you? Um, yeah, so Tom Brady, uh, no matter where he plays next year, I was thinking about the standard of excellence that he has set. When you think about it, six Super Bowl rings. I can't conceive of a quarterback coming along in the future that could even equal that. I know records are made to be broken, but when you consider the fact that there are some great quarterbacks that have never won a Super Bowl, like Marino, Dan Fouts, and there are other quarterbacks who have won one, uh, people thought they won multiple uh, Super Bowls, like uh, Aaron Rodgers, of course, and Brett Favre, and Drew Brees, obviously Brees and uh, Rodgers trying to get to number two, yeah. but to th- I can't conceive of uh, another quarterback coming along to, to even uh, equal that record. So uh, you need to have longevity, and you need to have good health. Obviously, Brady was he had one serious injury in 08 that kept him out the whole year. So it's going to be very difficult uh, to, to break that record. Yeah, I, I mean, think. when you put it that way, Marty, that's a great case there. And And not to mention, you also have to have a really good coach. And you know, Aaron Rodgers has gone through more than one coach. So it's like Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick were sort of like destined to be together. And I don't know if you're a Jet fan. You're probably like, oh, my God, no way. Um, let's head out to Terry in Armenia. You're on the fan. Good morning. How are you? Before I get to the fact that as a child of eight, I was at Tom Martin's perfect game. You were there. I just, oh, yeah. But I just want to tell you, to describe the animal that Cespedes had to run in with as a wild boar mm-hmm. is in a way it is inaccurate because that gives you that image of something whose head was served to kick out with the eight out of a Shakespeare play. What you're dealing with, and I know this because my family has agricultural property in the South, mm-hmm. are wild hawks and sows. They get big. They're very destructive to crops, and they're dangerous. If if Cespedes had trapped one and this thing got loose, he was well advised to run as hard as he could in the opposite direction. That he got seriously injured in the process is unfortunate. But to imply that it's unreal... uh, something that's not really possible, I can tell you it is. Okay? I believe you. Okay. I just wanted to, to say that because the way this has been talked about, it sounds like it, people think it's a fabrication. This is reality. If you have ranch or agricultural property in the South, it's a reality. Gotcha. And all of us have to deal with it. I was eight years old. A friend of my father's had a box at Yankee Stadium. And in those days, when you had a box for the season, it automatically went through the postseason. The day of the perfect game, a friend of my father's friend freaked out on going to the game. My father hauled me out of school 
to go to my first World Series game. Awesome. And obviously, I was eight years old. Most of what I remember now is, if you will, reinforced by the famous black and white film footage and the like. But the one thing I do remember is how quiet the place got when Larson was pitching in the later innings. Mm -hmm. People knew what was a possibility. He might not have, but people knew, and they just were in awe of it. Awesome. I am 71, 71 years old, going on the cemetery, as the saying goes. But that is a memory, what little bits of it I have, that I shall treasure until I'm carted off in a box. Thank you for the time. Terry, thanks for the call. That's a, that's a great story. Having been at not only a World Series game, but the only World Series game in which a pitcher threw a perfect game. Cool story. Omar, Brooklyn, you're on the fan. I'm good, Omar. How are you? I'm not feeling good after the build. The okay. Uh, I just want to say, you know, like, uh, I haven't seen anybody on my team won a championship. Next, forever, 90s, I went to the NBA final, built four Super Bowls. I became a Bills fan, right? 23 years. Uh, Josh Allen is a a big warrior here, yeah, big heart. Everything is right with him. I don't have a problem going forward with him. Mm-hmm. But I never understand. Uh, third and 18 on that last drive, uh, when they were third and 18, and what makes third and 18 was a blitz, and uh, Watson got sacked and eight yards back, so third and 18 comes in. Why you went on a defensive zone uh, to get it and uh, so the guy can uh, go on to a defensive? Whenever you the, never, never go for a kill, never do the defensive safety scheme. What got you there playing? Go for a quarterback. That's when he on the play. He will never run for 18 yards if you get played. What did Watson do? Uh, Watson do when he uh, got sacked twice, right? Uh, two players get sacked. When you cannot tackle, the two players cannot get him down. He made the play of a, a game and win the game. But before that game, third and 18, uh, and Leslie Fraser, the defensive coordinator, come on, you're a 85 Chicago Bears defense. Why are you going giving a quarterback when you cannot? Yeah, the guy cannot make a play on the same. Why are you giving him a chance to do this? Third and 18, free safety zone, and everybody at uh, the youngster doesn't know where the uh, line of scrimmage was at 18 yards. They were all back and took four and five plays, right to shoot him, and the running back uh, got the 18th yard. It kills me, kills me right now after I'm waking up. I had to go to work after the loss. I slept for two hours, wake up, and I just cannot go through after 23 years like sometimes and everybody says they're going to be a good team because their defense is so good. You never know. These type of moments doesn't come in. You have that moment. You have the game. How you go to get that offensive plenty when the quarterback is already in? You are in a field goal zone. These type of moments does not come in all next year. Wait for next year. 
This is my new year just beginning. I just won one for the weekend. This one loss, it's going to continue forever. I just cannot get over after 23 years rooting for the same team. And people, I, these teams, I cannot uh, blame my players because they play so hard. I Omar, I'm sorry for your loss. Very impassioned there. I know. I get it. I get it. It's not a given that you're going to be back in the playoffs every single year. I get it. But you weren't going to give me a chance to say this. The Bills' defense is not a blitz-type defense. They have their four-man rush, and that's what they get away with. And that play, they were just playing true to their form. And I'm, I'm sorry for your loss of your, of, of your Bills. Mike in East Rockaway, you're on the fan. Hey, good morning, Danielle. <laughs> How are you? Happy New Year. Yeah, you too. My radio was starting to shake, you know, uh, with the guy that last caller. My eardrums but, were too, yes. I appreciate yeah. the call always, though. I was, I, oh, definitely. You know, um, I liked the Bills too. Long time Jets fan. But, hey, my man, you know, just, you know, take two aspirin, get horizontal on the couch, meditate. I mean, the season's over. I'm sorry for your loss. That was fun. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, Danielle, well, <laughs> also, long time, long time Mets fan. Went mm-hmm. to classic games, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, should I talk about Cespedes and the Animal Kingdom and uh, Wild Boars? I think they could take four vertical steps, you know, up a tree, as opposed to Ronkonkoma and, and, and traps <laughs> in the trees. <laughs> you know, Danielle, I'm, as a long time Jet fan, uh, I'm so happy, and you know what I'm about to say, that, you know, the witch is dead. Up in New England, Belichick, Brady, you know, uh, what, a, what a combination. They'll go down in history as the best coach quarterback almost ever, I think. But uh, it's time to move on. And I'm hoping for um, – I always get to my point, you know, I'm, I'm hoping uh, for, the, for the Ravens and the New Orleans Saints, you know, after yeah. everything is said and done. That's what I think you know? it's going to be, yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, Danielle, maybe I'll do some studying next time I call on uh, wild boars, <laughs> hogs, and can they, can they walk vertical up a tree, and can they make their way to a trap? I don't know. It's a conundrum to me. <laughs> well, Mike, that is your homework. I'm I, 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 yeah. expecting a full report next time you call. Danielle, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Uh, yeah, that's kind of funny. And according to, to UN assessments, in that video that I tweeted, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, UN assessments does say that they are smart creatures. He did say it. And I believe I read that once. Like, elephants and pigs are, like, really smart. I know that pigs, please, let's not get the animal classification kingdom uh, mixed up. But UN assessments says those animals that he deals with are smart animals. Stuart in Brooklyn, you're on the fan. Morning, Danielle. Pleasure talking to you. You too, Stuart. What's up? Um, yeah, look, you when you brought up the fact that Belichick and Brady might go to Dallas, that would be an interesting thing, but a, a big heartache for Giant fans because the Cowboys have a good roster. He, he could lead. He could definitely lead them somewhere where they haven't been since like '96. Mm-hmm. And uh, John, I'm a Giant fan, okay? And I'm, I wouldn't want to see that, <laughs> but I would. I would. Lo- I would love to see Belichick coach the Giants just for maybe one or two years because he does love the Giant organization, and that would be a, that might be a good end for him. 
I mean, you know, look, he's been amazing. He's the best coach ever. Tom Brady's the best quarterback ever. Hands down. Yes. From, I'm, I'm, from what I've seen, all the quarterbacks I've ever seen, I've never seen a guy like Brady. Right. He's smart. He reads defenses. He knows his players. He knows their limitations. He knows what they can do. And what he missed mostly this year was Gronk. Uh, Yes, Gronk it was the, the main Gronk. piece yeah, that I pointed to, too. That. He was the main piece to that team. And when he left, they're saying he might come back. I said, why would he want to come back and get beat up again? Uh, for what? He has, a, he has a good job somewhere. I don't know what he's doing right now. but He's probably partying his face off somewhere. <laughs> probably. And you know, why would he want to come back and get beat up all over again? Am I right or wrong? No, you are, you are right. <laughs> he's made his money, he's made his fame, and he's made his case for the Hall of Fame. And he's won his Super Bowls. Well, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Yep, I know. No I, doubt. Yep, he and will Brady's be. He's a Hall of Famer. Yep. And uh, Belichick is a Hall of Famer. Belichick's the best coach ever. Mm-hmm. Bar none. Even Vin Lombardi. He, he, he made nine Super Bowl appearances in eight, what, 19 years? Will, will we ever see that again? No, Probably I not. doubt it. Yeah. It's stupid. I mean, and getting to getting to the Yankees, let's just hope for a healthy year, and hopefully everybody stays a little bit more healthy than last year, and hopefully you can have a chance at getting number twenty-eight. And we'll see. And have a good day, Daniel. You too. Thanks. They are Yankees are actually poised to do so, um, according to Las Vegas and according to you know a lot of people. And you know, Bill Belichick, if he were to leave New England, if if he were to leave New England. A part of me thinks that he's on, based on what Robert Kraft had said, um, part of me makes me think he's on a year-to-year deal. Year-to-year. Because there never seems to be an end point to his, to his career there, is basically what Robert Kraft said. And he doesn't know if, he, if he, there was a date, he would know. So that makes me think that there is no you know, four-year deal because that, that has an end date. But if it's every year, Bill Belichick says, yes, I'm coming back. No, I'm not coming back. If they have that conversation at the end of every season, that makes me think that it's a year-to-year deal. So if Belichick says, you know what, I'm out after this year, I don't think he's done coaching. He's not done coaching. Is the Giants or would the Giants be attractive to him? Why wouldn't they be attractive? Out of all the opening openings across the NFL, you guys voted on my my very scientific Twitter poll, that the Giants are the most attractive job. And I would agree. Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, and all the pieces that they have in place, for sure. Because when you you look at all the other teams, I mean, the Panthers, they're going to be in quarterback purgatory. The Browns, did you see the video of Baker Mayfield calling Freddie Kitchens an idiot during a game? Not to his face, as soon as he walked away. And the Cowboys, I mean, is that job even open? Who knows? 877-337-6666. Get more of your calls after the break. I am Daniel McCartan on The Fan, and he is Marco Belletti with the update. Right after Football Sunday with Mark Malusis and David Deal, it's another Wild Card Weekend doubleheader beginning at 1230 as the New Orleans Saints host the Minnesota Vikings, followed by the Philadelphia Eagles taking on the Seattle Seahawks. So stay right here for all the play-by-play, exclusively on your flagship station for the entire NFL postseason, including Super Bowl 54, Sports Radio 1019 FM, and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. And good morning, everybody. For the last time, we are rejoining 
you. I am on till 6 a.m. And then Bob Salter is coming your way at 6 a.m. Um, we are we're talking a lot. I just tweeted the, the call bank here. The call bank is all Patriots. This has been we are live from the Mike Francesa studio, Manuel and I, in New England. No, I'm just kidding. We are here in New York City and we are here till 6 a.m. Get aboard 877-337-6666. And everybody wants to talk about Tom Brady and his future. And everybody wants to talk about Bill Belichick and his future. And quite coincidentally, the Giants have an opening on their head coach for their head coach's position. And I know they've been interviewing Wink Martindale, B Enemy, all, all the guys. They've been interviewing all the guys all week long. But maybe this week we might see, I don't know, Bill Belichick. Giants are requesting permission to interview Bill Belichick for their head coach position. I mean, that would put the Giants over the top. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't know how else to explain it, really. I mean, while Mike McCarthy is my choice for the Giants, I mean, you cannot turn down Bill Belichick. And then we had a caller earlier, I forgot his name, but he, he suggested that yeah, what do you think? And I know we're playing fantasy football here, but what do you think? Bill Belichick and Tom Brady together as a package go down to Dallas. And I was like, at first I was like, yeah, okay. And I was thinking, well, they've been breadcrumbing Jason Garrett along, right? Maybe they were just waiting for the Patriots to be eliminated. And they have not yet signed Dak Prescott to a, to a deal. A new deal. Maybe they're waiting for Tom Brady. I mean, I don't know. That I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy. But that might be the conspiracy theorist in me. Alex in Queens, you're on the fan. Hey, you know, if you took the worst team in the NFL and you gave them the opponent's play calls, there's a good chance <laughs> they're going to go 13-3 and 12-4. and For perfect example, you can be the greatest running back in the world if you know that that runner is running to the right, your defense is going to be ready to stack the right side of the field, and it's going to be able to stop that runner most of the time. You look at the Super Bowl. When Nick Foles caught the Philly special, the only reason that play worked was because they had no idea Nick Foles was getting the ball. Had they seen that formation in practice during the week, they would have known Nick Foles was getting that ball, and they would have taken him. He would have not gotten open. And the difference between a touchdown and not a touchdown is whether they knew the play or they didn't know the play. And that, that's the difference between winning a Super Bowl and not winning a Super Bowl. So my point is, people say, how can you cheat and win six Super Bowls? It's very easy if you know the opponent's play calls. And I believe the last two weeks, the Titans and the Dolphins, two games that the Patriots lost, I believe because the Patriots were caught a few weeks ago versus the Bengals, mm-hmm. the NFL, being that they already failed to stop them from the previous spy gate, and this has happened again, they did everything in their power to make sure that the Patriots have not cheated the last two weeks. And what you see is Tom Brady and Bill Belichick become the below-average people that they are without cheating. And I believe that every one of their Super Bowls is due because they knew the opponent's play calls. And a perfect example, Bill Belichick with the Cleveland Browns before he started cheating was a mediocre under-500 coach. Tom Brady was a below-average quarterback in college. So what it tells you is when you know the scheme, Tom Brady looks great. When Tom Brady doesn't know the defensive play calls beforehand, he becomes the worst quarterback in the league. And I believe Tom Brady would have been out of the league 20 years ago if he didn't cheat. This guy does not have any talent. It's all from cheating. Same thing with Belichick. He's a terrible coach. It's all from knowing the opponent's play calls. Well, Alex, um, I wouldn't wouldn't go that far. (laughs) I wouldn't go that far. Um, I I have made the same argument with the Astros. If you know that there's a curveball coming, you are more inclined to hit 
the curveball. But everything else has to fall into place. And I, I, I think you raise a good point. That the one point you did say is that, you know, they were the NFL maybe made concerted efforts to um, prevent them from doing any more cheating, and, and it resu- has resulted in, in two losses back-to-back. Um, sure, I'll give you that one. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I'm not convinced that it has been going on for 25 years or however long. I, that I don't know. And, I, I, and Bill Belichick is, I don't know. I think he's the best coach to ever coach the game, and Tom B- uh, Brady is one of, if not the best quarterback to ever play the game. Um, you argue that that's because they knew what was coming. I argue because they have talent. Agree to disagree. Um, I would love to have gone back and forth with you, but we are rolling towards 6 a.m. and the end of the show. But, um, you know, to say that they're terrible, I, I think that's just, sorry, a freezing cold, terrible take. Tom, in North Brunswick, you're on the fan. How's it going, Coach McCartan, How Daniel? You? How are you? <laughs> I'm all right. Uh, something tells me the Cleveland Browns are going to hire Wink Martindale or maybe Monty Hall or <laughs> uh, <laughs> some of these names are unbelievable. I know. I know. Be yeah, it's an, funny. Be it's like a joke. <laughs> I know. And, and Omar's a real quick Omar's call is as he's always. You ever notice he starts out real calm? Yes, and always. He gets all, goes complete, almost berserk. It's like a I knew he was going to be upset. He doesn't even let you get a word in. I was like trying to talk him <laughs> off the ledge, but I just, I just couldn't. I couldn't do it. I appreciate the call, Omar. I know you're still listening, but <laughs> I know, I know, I love him. And the last <laughs> caller is John from Staten Island. He's always he's the Tespinus lover, and uh, I was a Reyes hater. I think. <laughs> I, I, anyway, I'm not, uh, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, um, I'm I'm glad. I think if Tom, Tom Brady's had a great career, he's the most successful quarterback in NFL history, and you got to give him credit. But uh, you know he's 43 years old, uh, and I think if he knows what's best for him, he, he should retire. He's taking chances of getting injured. Uh, you know they say Eli. I know Eli is not as good as him, but he's five years younger, and everybody keeps saying that nobody would want him. He's too old. Mm-hmm. Why would anybody want Tom Brady? Yeah. Other oh. than his uh, history, I mean he's. 43. Yeah, his resume and, uh, and the fact that he would sell tickets. Yeah, I guess so. Because, you know, everybody's going for young quarterbacks now. So, yep. But, uh, you know, you got to respect the New England uh, run. And, uh, you know, they've had a strange, uh, you know, they've had a strange dynasty because they can lose. And then a couple of years later, they win again. And, uh, and one last thing. I'm, I sure. thank you for letting me sound. I know there's other callers. Yeah, sure. If Bill Belichick goes to the New York Giants, I'm a Jets fan, I will never. I will have to turn the radio off. I'd have to not watch the NFL again because I'm a Mets fan and I got to listen to all the hype on the Yankees all the time and it will get even doubly disastrous. For the time. Well, right. Danielle, you have a nice day today. Thanks, Tom. I, I, I promise I will shoot it as, as straight as I can. Um, I try not to buy into this hype, really. I really don't. I try to give you the, the most even-keeled, you know, Opinions on everything, well thought out, analytical opinions on everything. I really do. And um, at least you can turn to my show for that, I, I guess, <laughs> if that in fact does happen. Or or maybe just switch teams. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. Lenny in Fort Lauderdale, you're on the fan. Danielle, I must say I'm really enjoying your show. It's the first time I'm hearing you. Oh, thanks, Lenny. Do you have I'm, uh, uh, I'm wild... a while? I fancy myself a sports uh, radio uh Critic, and uh, I, I, I'm highly impressed. Oh, thank really you. I have a question for um, you before you start. Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Do you have any wild boars in your backyard? 
my backyard. Fortunate, what a joke that is. But I, I don't really want to get into that one. But that Alex guy had a good. Uh, lot, lot, I was. Uh, I like a lot what he said. I believe a lot of, of what he said. But um, a couple of things about the game yesterday. The, the, the biggest points. Which to one? Me Patriots game was the um, down at the goal line when they didn't get in. Yeah. Three times. But I think also Edelman dropping that ball on second down on on one of the final drives yep. would have kept the drive going. That killed them. Yep. Um, also, I think dare say it that Belichick got out coached. The by, guy was great by his protege. And those rules, he was furious on the sideline. Oh, yeah, it, it's only it's only funny when when you're the one doing it, but when it's done against you, and we're obviously talking about the call. Um, the special teams call. It's when it's done against you. It's it's not so funny, isn't oh, it? Oh, it was fantastic! <laughs> it just suited him so well. And also about Belichick going to the Giants or the Cowboys. To tell you the truth, to me, that's right up his mo right now. He could feast on another weak division, and and he's got another eight years of first place and ten victories a year. Yeah, I mean, right? I you mean, know? nobody wants to win the NFC East, so it doesn't really matter which team he picks there. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I'd like to just throw in Kyrie Irving yeah. and the Nets. I'm starting to think maybe the Nets got had with these two guys that they got. They signed for big years, a lot of money. Who knows if they'll ever take the court? A guy like Willis Reed must look at Kyrie Irving and just be sick, sick yeah. to his stomach. Yeah, I Get know. Get there and freaking shoot the ball. Come I know. on. I know, I know, I know. And Lenny, thanks for the call. Hey. Uh, uh, sorry to cut you off there, Lenny. I thought um, you were done. But... Uh, this Kyrie Irving thing, this is this is mind-boggling how, I mean, I am never one to accuse an athlete of, you know, faking an injury or embellishing an injury to, you know, but I just don't understand why Kyrie Irving would not want to play. I mean, the Nets have been in contention. I mean, they haven't been terrible. And and I just, I don't understand. I just don't understand why why you wouldn't get out there and play the game. I mean, maybe that's the competitor in me, um, but maybe the Nets did get had. Maybe he's just waiting to play with his, his buddy Durant and take the the league by storm in this league that has now shifted from the superstar to the tandem, the tandem stars, you know, like sidekicks, like Batman and Robin. That That's what's going on. That's the trend in the NBA nowadays or as of this year anyway, and maybe he's just waiting for his, his Batman or his Robin to come by his side. But, you know, I, I just don't think it's right. I mean, it's he's finally spoken after how many months? I mean, and to come out and give more bad news, is it going to be surgery or is it not going to be surgery? Well, can you just make the decision already? Because if it's going to be surgery, there's obviously going to be a very long um, rehabilitation uh, program, months at a time, I am sure. You got to be ready then for next season. If you're doing the surgery option, you do the surgery option, and that's it. And as far as the the, the football games, I got to give my two little picks again. I was I was one for one today. I, I had the Bills, that was a close loss, and I had the Titans. And you can go back to last time's show, and I said that was the one game, the one game that if well, there was going to be an upset special, the Titans were going to beat the Patriots. I said it. I said it, I said it, I tweeted it. So for tomorrow, although I went two underdogs today, I have to go the two favorites tomorrow. I like the Saints in the Dome. It's the 1 o'clock game. I mean, Drew Brees and his wide receivers. You guys have to keep an eye on Michael Thomas and Jared Cook. 
um, tight end Jared Cook. Michael Thomas is the best wide receiver in the league, and if they double-team him, Jared Cook's going to have a big game. But then you got to look at Kirk Cousins and, and his wide receiver, Stephon Diggs. Um, and then he, and he's also got Thielen and Rudolph. So I think that the Vikings have the better um, pass receivers. However, Drew Brees is obviously the better quarterback of the two of them. And defensive exam- uh, advantage, I'm going Saints on that one. So I am picking the Saints to win outright in tomorrow's 1 p.m. game. And um, my player to watch is going to be Michael Thomas, or two of them, or Jared Cook. And then my next one, the next game is Seattle Seahawks at Philadelphia Eagles. I can't believe the, the Eagles got a home game after what no one wanted to win the NFC East. Russell Wilson and his deep threats, I think, is going to be just too, too much for a depleted Philadelphia Eagles, whether that's their defense, their offense. I mean, the, it's it's amazing how far they got the Eagles, uh, but the buck stops here. Eagles are going to turn the ball over. I mean, the C- the Seahawks and Russell Wilson are going to be pretty unbeatable, I think, because the Eagles have struggled against outside receivers this season, and they are really bad against the outside receivers. And guess what? The Seahawks have two of them. They have DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, and they could stretch the field. You saw that catch. Tyler Lockett had a 6% chance to catch that ball that that week and he did okay so it's going to be the saints and the seahawks thanks to all the callers busy night tonight could not have done it without you guys it's been a fun four hours i love coming here talking to you all great job to emmanuel behind the glass he did an excellent job tonight and to also to marco on the updates huge thanks to five-time emmy award winner two-time new york times best-selling author jack curry he came on and Teresa walker ap tennessee titans she covers so enjoy the rest of wildcard weekend Hoping for our New York Metro teams to be playing this time next year as well. Saints, Seahawks, and I'll be back this time next Saturday night, 2 to 6 a.m. In the meantime, hit my socials at Coach McCartan and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Let's keep the conversation going. Bob Salter is up next. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66.